So you are listening to the Claim the Throne Blodgecast here with Cabra and Ash, our first ever live podcast. We've done a whole bunch of interviews before. We've, we've had an extra person or two, but not a whole group of people. So we're really pumped to, uh, yeah, to dissect each other's bands and see how we can improve. Me and Ash definitely don't know everything, even though we pretend we do. So if, uh, if we learn a thing or two today, that would be awesome as well. Definitely challenge everything that we say. Feel free. Or just sit there and watch us and laugh. That's all good as well. How are you going today, Ash? Good. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Maybe you should start by introducing who we are to these people, because we do know a lot of them, but we have some new faces here. Sure start thing. with yourself. I know you love that. Love talking about myself. I'm Cabba, and uh, I'm in a band with Ash called Claim the Throne. We do metal, uh, but we like all sorts of stuff. We started about 12 years ago or so, before Ash joined the band, and it was just a, um, yeah, really... Sp- jamming crappy like thing just learning other people's songs and having fun and eventually we just got full band members and before we knew it we had a couple of songs and then we had enough songs to play a gig and then we played a gig and got our first fans I guess and it just all sort of went from there we got more and more gigs and then we got our uh, first CD out recorded the songs then we somehow got a, a show interstate and then we got a bit of the touring bug so started pushing it from there did a uh, whole bunch of tours around Australia and then started managing to get some interest overseas and um, we've played UK, Asia, USA, New Zealand, Canada, all sorts of places. Bunbury. Bunbury a few times. <laughs> you normally get at least four to six payers there as well. <laughs> really popular. Um, but a lot of the things, like it looks like we've done a lot of stuff, but a lot of it we've actually just done ourselves and... The more things you organise for your own band, the more opportunities come your way and you just build a bit of credibility and stuff and before you know it, you're like headlining gigs without even really trying and yeah, it's not as hard as some people think. So yeah, pretty keen today because we've got a really good selection of people from bands who I think all have um, yeah really huge potential to do something or really yeah, great songwriters and stuff but maybe don't do enough to push it further perhaps or just yeah don't think about what their actual goals are, so we'll go through them today and see how we can improve them a bit, perhaps. Who are you, Ash? I'm Ash. Uh, I am the drummer in Cabba's band, as a lot of you know. Uh, a couple of albums ago, I started recording the band very poorly, and I've still somehow kept my job. And yeah, pretty much what you see in front of you is what we record our albums on, which I think is interesting because we also use it to do things like a podcast and demoing and all that business so I have some experience in that realm but again not a lot. The other thing I've done is a lot of uh, studio time with bands in pro studios, in project studios and in ghetto studios and I've made a lot of mistakes and really that's what I think you can learn from is my mistakes so that's me in a nutshell. Other person we have over to our left is Josh. Josh has been a fill-in member for Claim of Throne before but he's also done other things with music. Tell the people what you are. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Josh. Um, like Ash said, I've, I've um, filled in with Claimant Throne a bunch of times over the years when they've been missing a bass player. Um, over the last 10, 12 years, I've been in a couple of bands, uh, a band called Gallows of Grace, um, uh, Entrails Eradicated, and most recently over the last year, uh, Perth death metal band Grotesque. Um, yeah, we've just finished our newest album or latest album, um, which is due to release in a couple of months. And, um, yeah, pretty pumped about that. 
Josh has done some national touring with Cannibal Corpse, with the Entrails Eradicated, mm-hmm. and a US tour with... That was with fucking Entrails as well. Yeah, that was Entrails with um, US death metal band uh, Vomit God and um, Genocost. Uh, we got to play Las Vegas Death Fest and played like a 22-date tour across the US, I think across about 19 states over three and a half weeks or so. Sick. Huge. Mm. Yeah, it was cool. Very cool. Now, I hate to do this, but remember when people ask you to do things that you don't want to do, you're allowed to skip in this case if you do want, but why don't we start with Oliver. If you do want to just grab a mic and tell the people who you are, what you do. Not too much ferret talk, but we'll see how you go. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, yeah, well, my name's Oliver, and uh, yeah, I guess I'm well, a fan of a lot of the local bands, and I'm you know dipping my toes into making my own music, and yeah, sort of came along to you know learn how to record on a budget. Sweet, Aiden. Uh, I'm Aiden. I'm the vocalist for Septillion, um, and I have a couple of side projects, and we're just kind of looking for some information and pointers on how we can kind of push it further, like you were saying. Sweet, Adam. Yeah, I'm Adam from uh, Septillion as well. Yeah, I'm just here to just get some ideas and like recording and just to book more shows and we've been Ash have been in the band for a few like probably like seven years just starting from a shitty like shed band making pretty crap music to like stepping it up a bit so hopefully we can try better ourselves and just try and you know get more shows and get the name out there a bit better sweet as Aiden Aiden too um play in a front manager band called Mudich Brothers bit different genre than I think most of the guys here today but we're doing all right but I just kind of want to we're going in the studio soon so I want to get some um you know some good info about um making the most of our first first pro album and um that's about it I think yeah Yeah, cool um and pushing the management a bit further trying to get some support tours and stuff like that as well just kind of breaking out into a bit bit more of that kind of stuff as well yeah sweet ass awesome and ash (laughs) Uh, yep, I'm uh, Ash. I play uh, drums in Septillion. Uh, obviously, here for the same reasons as Aiden and Adam have already mentioned. Um, but yeah, I suppose uh, I'm after a bit of a boost personally as well. Um, sort of had a little bit of a hit a rut, I suppose, musically at the moment, um, where I'm sort of just trying to rebuild myself. And obviously, this is a part of it as well, because obviously, um, you know. It's the dream to do it professionally and to make a living off it. And, yeah, so obviously that's the main reason I'm here today as well, learn the more business side of things and, you know, recording and whatnot. But, um, yeah, no, so really looking forward to it. Yeah. Sweet. Legendary. Thanks, everyone. That was wicked. It feels like we're at a Alcoholics Anonymous. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's smashing through the booze, by the way, dig in. Yeah, you'll see me and Ash get gradually more drunk over the next couple of hours. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, it's hard to know where to even start. I guess um, was thinking we could just do a really short version or explain what we were going to do with like a big projector and proper um, proper show for people just to watch. But if there's like we can just read out sort of some of our topics perhaps, and if there's things you're interested in particularly, we can stop and elaborate big time on each topic. What were you going to talk about as recording? No idea. Well, it went through many iterations because, um, I don't know, there's so much information out there, but it's pretty hard to find what is relevant to you. And everyone's at different levels. Everyone has different amounts of money. 
and um, everyone's trying to achieve different things. So I know, Aiden, your band's more, how would you describe it, acoustic folk or...? Yeah, it's, it's didgeridoo and acoustic roots. And yeah. is it just two members? Uh, there's three, but we'll be adding, um, we'll have a bass player and we're going to add probably a bit more electronic and um, yeah. maybe a bit of... A bit of horns and stuff as well, hmm. but they're not going to be permanent. They may be permanent members of the band eventually, but it's, it was just going to build on it a bit more for this new new record. Yeah, the first record was just pump out a um, five track EP just to get a CD out, and that was about a year ago. Yeah. I listened to that one during the week on Spotify. Oh, cool, yeah. It is, and um, really dug it because I wasn't really sure. I looked it up the Facebook and stuff first, and you have an awesome website as well on Bandzoogle, which I like. Yeah, and that was really easy to make, surprisingly. Yeah. As well, yeah. So yeah, and then found you on Spotify. I had to listen, and it was um, yeah, a lot sort of almost darker than what I was expecting. Okay. So I listened to a little bit of world music here and there, and um, I think with the Didgeridoo, that's a hell awesome yeah, sure. opportunity for people overseas, would particularly yeah. like something like that. Yeah, we, um, and we just recorded that in two days, you know. It sounds pretty good. I it thought. was, um, and it was, but it was really rushed, you know. We're, we're going to head for the next one, maybe a bit more like, um, like guide tracked and might take a bit of the vibe away from it, but I think it'll give it a bit more structure and, yeah. See, and that's what I'm getting at is that the goals that you have for recording are really different to a band like us and they're probably different again for guys like Septillion because, yeah, the outcome's a lot different. So in... I'm gathering that you did all the tracks, like everyone playing at the same time. Yeah, pretty much. I think we may have overdubbed the didgeridoo. So yep. I think I played live in the control room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we had the drum in a separate uh, yeah, yeah, in the main Be- room. Because like that, like what's pretty awesome about being able to do that, and formerly when I played in rock bands where, you know, simple four or five-piece band, everyone could pretty much set up in a room this big, um, probably at least... <laughs> And then just play all the tracks at once. So you could hire out a thousand dollar a day studio if you're only doing two songs, and it costs you the same amount of money that some band like us will, you know, pay our friend to do it for two weeks. You know what I mean? Because um, yeah, it really is about time. Time is money. Everyone's worth something. I've done a few shitty recordings for bands before, like just who you know don't have a lot of budget and stuff, and I end up getting paid about two dollars fifty an hour. And um, I hate to say it, but I make more money going to work. So it's not something I want to do as a living, but it just kind of shows you that the budget constraints of certain bands can limit what they can do. So I guess that's one way you can look at it, is get in, get tired as a band and do it all in one hit. But if you are going to do things like click tracks and a lot more overdubs, then, yeah, the time you take in the studio gets blown out. So with you guys, Septillion, I listened to your last release which I knew you'd released it, but um, and maybe Cabba can jump in on this. I've struggled to find it. Is it on Apple Music? It's on Spotify. And it's on Spotify. Spotify and iTunes, yeah. It's on yeah. Yeah, I usually, like, this is my bad. I don't have Facebook. It makes it harder. <laughs> and um, I usually go for Bandcamp, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah don't get me wrong. Yeah, we haven't set up. That's the next thing we're going to do, try to set a Bandcamp up and get yeah. YouTube yeah. sorted out as well. Yeah, they got it on YouTube, but... They did it through. It's weird. It's not like you can't just type in Septillion and find our songs. Mm. Like, there's some dude in from Peru. I think he's like copied our album picture oh. and taken piracy. Taken like um like a Dead Space song and sung over that. Oh, so oh. it's sort of like oh yeah, cheers, mate. So <laughs> yeah, he's ripping into the Perth scene at the moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. You know what? That reminds me of um the Perth band Silent Night who do power metal. 
but if um, it's, I think it's fixed now, but there was a while there if you'd search for them on Spotify or somewhere, there was a, a USA rapper by the same name, and he had already like got everywhere on the internet and stuff, so people were searching for them and they'd be listening to hip-hop. Um, so they had to really like differentiate themselves and put Silent Night Australia. Which, or No, I think they've put Power Metal Supreme as their slogan and that's like their, their website and their everything is called that. So people find it that way. So that was just yeah. a bit of a sidetrack, sorry about that. But yeah, listening to your record, it sounds really good. Like I think in many ways it sounds way better than our crap that we've done at home. Um, but you can hear that you've definitely either had some sample replacement or you've been forced to use program drums because that's usually a big killer. Um, setting up an amount of microphones kills heaps yeah, of bands. It's more for time. We just didn't have time to do the full setup for drums and do all the programs. Yeah. So we just thought we'll do the... Um, we just recorded the guitars at my house and then... They sound good. What yeah. did you use for that? Um, I had a little orange cab set up in the back room yep. and um, just like the Shure SM57 mic and then... So it's live tracking. Yeah, no, live awesome. guitar. Tone sounds great. Yeah, really I think does. I got a bit hard at half time because I did all my parts. Then Aiden started recording his parts, and then it started sounding like shit. I think one of the speakers blew out oh, yeah, on okay. the speaker. Then yeah, in the end, it just sort of like getting rushed. The missus was getting pissed off because she was pretty heavily pregnant. Then she was like, yeah. "Wrap it up, boys." So I had to sort of just smash yeah. it out. And um, oh, there's bits in there I'd probably rather like tiny bits to redo it again. But I mean. At the end of the day, I just sort of wanted to get something out there instead of just saying, oh, we're this band, listen to us, and then mm. chucking them in their old, our old EP, and there's like one song on there that we play now. So yeah. that, that was yeah. what was behind it all, because we were doing quite a few shows, and we hadn't released anything in, like since that EP, which was like years ago. And yeah, we had people like, oh, I really like that Old Hail the King song, or <laughs> I like that No Church of Mine song. It's like... Well, you can't really listen to it unless you listen to a live version. So yeah, yeah. we've had that exact wow, we same really better get position been in, I think. Yeah. yeah. So that was... We've rushed stuff out as well just to get it, just to have something. So we've had a thing as well where some of our older stuff we don't really like, but if people search us on YouTube, that's the first thing that'll come up and we just don't really have anything else. Mm. Or they'll recognise songs live and you don't have it to offer yeah. it to them. But then you're sort of sacrificing quality of the, um, of the release, I guess, if you're just rushing it. And yeah, if you're short on time in the studio as well, you just settle for... For average as opposed to awesome. But I think that it does sound great. It does, and yeah. what I do want to know, if it's not a personal question, how much did it cost you to do? Like, uh, no, not factoring in... You obviously used a Project Studio rig, 300 right? for mastering, because yeah. I, I mixed it all myself. Um, <laughs> and, like, basically for drums, um, I just recorded Bart's in our just uh, rehearsal studio down in Bunbury, and then just programmed... All the drums, copying what like as oh, much yeah. as I could what he did. That's a great but, idea. But um, back then, I wasn't really into like changing velocities on all of the hits and everything, so mm-hmm. it does sound quite robotic. Um, but at the time, tried to mask it as best I could. Yeah. But yeah, so three hundred for mastering. I got a mate to do it, Drew, um, from Udrigo, and um, mm-hmm. that was the pretty much the whole cost and cover art, wasn't it? Yeah, the cover yeah. Art was probably around six hundred on. He gave us like. CD front and back and CD art and then like a t-shirt design and stuff. So we've got a full like little package type of thing done. Yeah. This dude over in America. I think. Um, What's his name? I think he might have done Red Descending one as well. Yeah. I think he did the Fuhrer one. Yeah, he did oh, the, yeah, the yeah. Fuhrer using it because I saw they posted and I checked him out and it seemed pretty decent. Pretty good got, when they do a full package of merch yeah, design and yeah, stuff as well. Yeah, it was pretty good. Like he did it all. Just gave him ideas and sent him like the lyrics and um, the song names and he just sort of got the idea and it 
yeah, what we got's pretty happy with. So easy. Yeah, and it just goes to show you that, like, for six hundred bucks, that might be a day in a pro studio. Yeah. But if you're doing it yourself, you might not exactly be getting what you want. But you've got, you know, unless yeah. your wife's pregnant, a lot more time to do it. Yeah. And that's the route we took. Um, and we, I think we succeeded at first because we got the album out. And then the second time, which we haven't fucking released for whatever reason, we finished last year in October, haven't touched it since then. And it's definitely a step up in quality, but yeah, it hasn't been released. Where, as Aiden, you're saying, two songs tracked as a band, how much would that have costed? And, um, and where did you do that, actually? Uh, we did that at Sun City. Sun, I think it's just a uh, guy in Scarborough. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he's just got a, a full uh, analogue rig there. Oh, really? Um, I've uh, never heard of him. Mainly, yeah. Um, what was his name? Sam. Yeah, Sam someone. Yeah. Um, just oh, in cool. his house. Um, two, two nice decked out rooms, lots yep. of analogue gear in that. Um, I think the whole, it was five tracks. I think we still spent three grand. Mm. Okay. That, that's full yeah. production, 1,000 CD, uh, digipacks. Oh, oh really? Including included. Yeah. Oh, wow. And he yeah. does that there. No, nah, that oh, was, yeah, that we was sent off for master, our oh, local master, and then, um, yeah, we used someone, like Procopy or someone in Perth, and yeah. a thousand, um, actually, might have been 500, yeah. Mm. Just, um, yeah, just uh, sleeves, you know, cardboard yeah. sleeves. Were yeah. you happy with Procopy? Just yeah, yeah, I think they, yeah, they were good, yeah. I've used a few, quite a few different guys. I've used a couple in Asia before, but. Yeah, so we're looking around at the moment for our new one, and, um. In the past, we've gone to Disbank and had a few issues with them and that. But um, yeah. then I was looking at Procopy and they were a bit cheaper. And then um, I just started looking on the net and there's a few that will post them to you. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and they still work out cheaper than if you go to an actual shop. Mm. Um, and with all shrink wrapping and barcodes and extra stuff. And the Asia ones, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. They're like, they, they may send them to Asia anyway, you know. Mm. Like you get them back and they'll put them in different boxes. And <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. And you can definitely hear that it's a band playing together on your yeah. recordings. And they sound good and... I know you want to. Um, you're saying that you want to step up and do a full production and really um, maybe put a bit more time and money into it. But when I hear it, I hear it, it sounds like a band, which is really cool. Whereas yeah. when I hear Septillion, I still do definitely hear that. But you hear the sacrifices you have to make in order to do it at home, which is unfortunately the case for most metal bands, unless you're in grotesque. How the hell you've just finished recording? Mm-hmm. Explain some of the process behind that. Um, so, yeah, we just finished up in March, or my tracking finished up in March, and mine was the last to do because I joined only a year ago. When I joined, all guitars and drums were done, um, which is really helpful for me being the new member that I could sit down with this, like, really cool product and the tabs and just sort of learn it all. Um, it, it was quite painful for me just because uh, I've all of a sudden had 10 very fast technical sort of songs to learn and track as quick as I possibly could. Um, All done by Sam Allen, um, tracked, mixed and mastered by him. Uh, But yeah, we're all done now um, and uh, just trying to figure out how we release it and push it and, and sort of I don't know, get our, get our band out there because it's a really cool product and we're super stoked and proud with it, proud of it and um, don't want it to just be another sort of local LP that just sort of sits on the shelf and nothing happens with it, mm. basically. Do you know the inner workings of the recording process before you joined? No, no, that was all done well before I joined, yeah. like a good six to 12 months beforehand, I think, um, and I wasn't there for that. So I might have to fill it in because, um, <coughs> coincidentally, Claim of Throne went into the same studio 
underground in Burragoon. It's owned by Brody Simpson, who played in bands like the Siren Terror and stuff like that. He's an awesome drummer. And, yeah, we booked a recording time in there probably a few weeks after Trev, the drummer of Grotesque, had gone through there. So they spent four days tracking, you know, 250 BPM technical death metal. And then we, a week later, went in there and did our mid-paced, folky, fucking shit-house Scandinavian metal or whatever we do. And, uh, yeah, we took the drums and then did ours all at home on this very setup you see in front of you, whereas they went and did a lot of tracking at home after the drums were done mm-hmm. and then used the studio to do things like reamping guitars. I think vocals were done in... Was it in a day? In yeah, vocals were done over a weekend, two days or a okay. day and a half, yeah. But in a studio, right? In a studio. Same studio? Um, it wasn't the same studio. I don't know the name of it. It's okay. like somewhere in Northbridge. So okay. I don't think that's the underground studio. No, definitely not. Okay, and then you did your bass tracks. I did it at Sam's place through his sort of home rig setup, just like yeah. DIing in and, and obviously sort of messed with the tone and reamped it later. And that was done over the course of about a month or so. Yeah, just in your own time after just, work. Just like stuff. after work, just sort of like sort of trying to do like a track a week when I could sort of fit it in kind of thing, or maybe at the most two tracks a week. Mm. Mm. So. All I know, so I wouldn't put a figure on it because I don't actually know for sure, but Underground cost us for three days something like $1,300, bucks just for the dry hire of the studio. And then the engineer that we got, which was Al Smith from Begurk, if you guys have ever heard of him, he's been around for years, he was about 200 bucks ish 250 a day just to engineer the drums. So I can't add that up. Say two around grand? two grand, yeah. Yeah, two grand for the drums. Then everything else we did on money that the band had, you know, spent on some gear and some gear that I bought myself. So the whole... Oh, and then we got it, sorry, mastered by Al at the end of that, which I think was a pretty good idea. And you guys, I think, have benefited a lot from sending off your stuff to master. Whereas with these guys, um, Sam was getting paid a freelance engineer fee even when Josh would go to his house, but they didn't have the overhead of the studio on top. Yeah, And, yeah, to put it in perspective, Sam's a professional. He's on tour in the States right now. He just got back from the States. He's over east at the moment with Cursed Earth, doing a national tour with them. Yeah, so he's done a few Euro and American tours with Aversion's Crown. It's a band from Queensland. I think so. So, yeah, he's going to charge real money. Even though he's a mate of ours, we know him, Mm. he's going to charge real money because, you know, that's his livelihood, you know? Yeah. Yeah, whereas other guys, especially in my case, I've got a job that pays way more than I could ever like legitimately ask for (laughs) as a recording engineer so you know i just do things for fun here and there so yeah i think it's a pretty cool idea to do a hybrid approach Mm. but it's still Mm -hmm. the cost does blow out pretty quickly when you're paying per day for someone to do it yeah yeah big time and i think we and we did luck out a bit with sam being a buddy in the the way i did it in such a piecemeal sort of approach if i had it done it in just like big blocks where he would his normal fee i think is 300 a day purely for like the engineering and whatnot because i was going there and maybe doing an hour here or there before i've got to go and do the rest of the things in my life it's sort of (laughs) he didn't quite add it up in the way he probably would have any other yeah. band off the street. So it still still ended up being quite hefty price-wise, but I think um, he did help us out a bit there. Yeah, cool. Can we talk about how to save time in the studio? Because that seems to be one of the biggest <coughs> problems. Like, to save money, that means being there less amount of time. Mm-hmm. So I like hearing you talk about how to prepare for the studio. So, like, don't go into the studio and try and work out how to play the song. Yeah, mm. yeah, for sure. 
So I think the preparation, like you mentioned, you might look at some click tracks or something in the future. Uh, I've tend. Do you play live with Click Sash? No, not live. No. Okay, so I've recently started doing it. I think I've played three gigs, but for two, three years, I've been doing every rehearsal with just click tracks. Stick them on my phone. I've got a hundred dollar pair of Shure in ear things. They work really well, and I just make sure that every time we play a song, it's at the tempo that we're going to record it at, or if it's already been recorded, and. Um, I've got a tempo map or something for it. I use that for every rehearsal. And for a drummer, that's really important, especially if you're multi-tracking, because then, you know, in, in a studio, it's all cool. You're looking at each other. You can see when the sticks are going to hit, so the guitarist does their thing. Everyone's vibing. But in the studio, it's just you by yourself with a click track and possibly a scratch guitar, which leads me to the next tip, record some scratch guitar. And that could be on a simple little rig like this. You can buy shit like that for 100 bucks, 200 bucks, and it'll just enough to do the job. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. And then even though you might not want to edit and stuff in the studio and be um, less than organic, it does help to be really locked in and do some hardcore editing on your scratch track. So I had a situation where we were paying 600 a day for a studio, according to Analog Tape, and every time we'd get to certain bits in a song the guitar was out with the click and it would just throw me right off and, you know, that's just a nightmare. So you end up having to do punch-ins and shit like that. So that's that's a good tip for starters. Also, it's something you can practice along to before you go in so that you're yeah, prepared, at, I guess. at rehearsals and stuff. And then the other side of that is in doing those, you may as well just do a demo, doing things like programming drums, um, tinkering with them after every rehearsal. If you start to play different beats and... You, you know, you're relying on programs for your demos, change them around, um, get used to it because there's nothing worse than, you know, you change the style of the way you play, but then every time you listen to the song for reference, it's got a certain different feel or different feel or whatever it is. Um, do you do that, Adam, when you're recording, are you recording a demo as you're writing a song? Uh, yeah, usually on the phone, you just, if you're on the jam, you just play on the phone and it's pretty shit, like you can barely hear what's going on. Yep. Sometimes you're too pissed to really <laughs> understand yeah. what we're playing, but um, yeah, we most of the time we just like record roughly what we do, and then um, like the new one or the latest one we've done, we've just roughly on the phone. But most of the time, it's just every time we play, we just practice it and yep. play, it and then we just know like. But we're gonna try and start like this year, hopefully, just record like a little single or something, and sort of do it a bit more like proper click tracks and all that. Because the last time we didn't do click tracks, so we just. Aiden had the beat programmed, so I just played along to the drum beat on the headphones. It was a bit hard, but after a while we got into it. This is all right, but, yeah, it was just the time thing. That's why we did mm. a lot of that. Maybe just worth mentioning, um, I'm in this other band called Red Descending, and the guitarist from that band is really awesome. He does all the songwriting and stuff, but as he's writing the songs, he's tracking them into his computer, and he's recording the album as he's going. So he might be writing for a year, but once he's finished writing, the album's done. So he doesn't actually record as such. Yeah, it's just right. done. Yeah. So, um, and he just pulls out the bits that he's bad at. So the female vocals, he takes his crappy yeah, he's done scratch like vocal example, and then someone comes in and replaces it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that stuff's just good for too, thought, anyway. For doing things like um, getting vocal harmonies sorted, and um, even if you're not the singer in the band, if you're the songwriter, you can do things like you know use a guitar or whatever you're comfortable with to structure some melodies in different parts, and then you know be able to separate them and show your singer maybe 
you know, this is my idea of what you should sing as a harmony and, you know, do a bit of that kind of preparation. So then when you go into the studio, especially if you're paying a lot of money, you might have a track list together where you can write down, okay, these are the elements of this song. These are the parts, like, clearly defined. So intro, verse, chorus, whatever your song structure is. And these are all the elements we've got to do. And if everyone, because of your rehearsals, and yeah, recording rehearsals is a great idea, if everyone's across the parts they need to play and can practice them along to like a fixed click track or tempo map or demo, then when you go into the studio, you can just literally just tick them off and get them done and make sure you don't forget anything. We've had the instance where, yep, we went and did all this drum tracking, actually just tracked it next door in one of these rooms. Months later, we're going to do the song and then this riff kicks in. I'm like, shit, I didn't record the drums to that part mm-hmm. and had to, you know, pull a drum beat from a different song with a similar tempo and edit it together to make it work for the end of the song. And you can't notice it, but it's just mm-hmm. not the way it's supposed to be, which kind of yeah. sucks. So I think, I think there are a few tips anyway that can help you out. Another thing we did on the last album in terms of preparing was the room on the other side of that wall we hired for a month was it yeah and we we'd done a most well some of the songwriting but sort of finished it in a room and we could just come every single day whenever we want we had a key to the room um so you could come after work for an hour and practice a bit or write a bit or change a bit jam around um you, know, you write even did lyrics. some recording in there eh? did some uh yeah not for the album but some demoing and stuff oh yeah for for some of the new songs we were writing and as much as I don't know if I'd do it again, at least um, the thing we did get out of it was probably just knowing the songs a lot better. So once you go in to record them, you've played it a million times already. You're familiar with all the structures, how to think about the vocals and lyrics and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Don't know. Do you reckon that's worthwhile or no? Uh, yeah, I think it was. It wore me out, like going to work every day and then playing drums every single day after work. Mm. I think it's probably better. I used to have an electric kit. Um, I think it's better to have one of those at home if you can get away with playing one and just playing along to the songs because it's more about the familiarity. I can almost just do it like this and be pretty happy about what I'm going to do at next rehearsal. Um, And, yeah, it's a lot cheaper not to hire a room for a month. Yeah. Still good to get your chops up and all that. And if you record straight away afterwards, you're in the zone when you go into recording, I guess. The, The last thing you want is when you have a bit of a freak out and you can't remember how to play a riff and then you just get in a bad mood and you're sort of wasting time as you go and you're in the studio and you're paying and you're freaking out and you're like, fuck. Yeah. So if you're really practicing and, and that before you go in, you sort of play it easily without thinking and you've been practicing to the right tempo and it always goes a bit smoother. I think the drama is though, um, I don't know how you guys go with the individual instruments, but for me, there's a challenging part. I see that there's two ways of practicing. You can give it a whirl with the band or you can go away, figure out, like break it down to what technique you're actually trying to pull off and then practice that slower until you're not tensed and stressing and on the spot. Like if there's a certain part in a song that I'm struggling with, at a rehearsal, it takes me two minutes of the song to get to that one bit Mm. and then I blow it and then (laughs) it's like, fuck. And, you know, sometimes these guys don't want to just do the same bit over and over again, so I take my um, notes or whatever, go home, practice it to always to a metronome really slow and then build it up from there. Same as, as a guitarist, if we've got a bit in the song that's really fast and I can't play it at all, it's not something I'd be able to fix in the jam room. I'd need to go home and not even practice that bit over and over. It would be like the same playing to a metronome slowly, the part or any, any sort of exercise and then gradually 
increasing the speed so that I become a faster player or have better technique in general and then go back to that riff and it will come quite easy. Um, yeah, yeah, which is the benefit of, of practicing at home outside of the jam room. The other side of prep, I think, is to do with instruments and everything you have. So your tone sounded awesome. I'm pretty surprised. I thought it would have been like a Kemper or something like that, digital amp, because it was very clear. So that must be a perfect amp for you guys to use in a studio situation. Whereas other bands that I've recorded, they bring in just the opposite style of amp than they're asking for in terms of tone, you know. They're like, yeah, we want this. Here's our reference album. We want this tone. They bring in this thing that's like ultra mid-scooped, terrible bucket of bees stuff. And it's just, it's a nightmare to work with. And it's really hard to change someone's mind when they're at a point that they're already paying money for it. They just expect an engineer to magically change something. And often they can, but that's if they've got access to the gear that's required at the studio. So part of that is... um, yeah, familiarising yourself with the equipment that gets the tones you're after and if you don't have them, to choose a studio that can provide them for you. So let's pretend um, Cabba's guitar crapped its pants or it's really bad, the, um, I don't know, the pickup sucked or it was buzzing all the time and we chose a studio with a nice Les Paul Gibson, that would be perfect for something like that. So, yeah, and same goes with things like strings, picks, sticks, skins... Um, I don't know, anything like that. You've really... Like, a recording will be really good if the sounds are good at the source and you probably read that on the net all the time, but it's so true. Like, an album shouldn't... Like, the mixing process of an album shouldn't be to get the sounds of the album. It should just be to realistically balance and sort of sculpt the really good sounds that are already there. So, yeah, do your research. But also don't get caught up on stuff like... Um, you know, analog tape, for example, is a tough one. Might be different for you, Aiden, because yeah, you play as a band and you're really tight. Metal bands, it's, it's not fun to to track to tape. It really sucks. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I love the sound of an analog signal path if the person who's driving it knows how to work it in the correct manner. Because if you don't, you can yeah just overhype all this distortion on everything, and it ends up being a puddle of shit. Or it won't sound as good as just a digital interface straight out. So, yeah. I don't know. Does anyone have any, like, specific questions about recording? Yeah, jump in and tell us to shut up at any point if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Ollie certainly does. <laughs> All right, So yeah. the thing about ferrets, Oliver, is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, I mean, my question is, I mean, the thing is I'm coming from, like, a very beginner standpoint. So I guess uh, my sort of thing is what can you do on a student budget? So let's say you have a grand total of 100 or $200, and let's say you've already got all your guitar gear and that, and you've got a PC, like, what can you do to make it sound really, you know, semi-decent? What are you recording to start with? Okay, well, I'm, tr- I'm working on a project which is sort of, I think the closest thing is porno grind. <laughs> Okay. So <laughs> you're going to a Star Wars convention where no one drinks after this, right? Oh, Star Trek, yeah. Star Trek, there you go. Uh, which series? Uh, all of them. The whole universe. Yeah, in Continue. Fact, uh, yeah, okay. So basically, uh, yeah, I've been trying to, uh, you know, do a bit of Porter Grind. I've been writing, uh, you, know, you know, drum tracks on my phone and, uh, you know, write, you know, do stuff. How do you write on... drum tracks on your phone? Oh, I downloaded the first app I saw in the Amazon store. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, so Fruity I mean, it's. Loops? 
Uh, oh, I've got. I've actually got it here. If you want to have a look, Bust but it yeah. Out. <laughs> okay. So just you, right? No, no band members as such. Uh, just me so far. I mean, I was considering getting a vocalist because I, I'm not especially strong on vocals. You have a strong talking voice. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if I do clean, I'm okay. Like I'm okay at karaoke and that. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Can you read I'm, some of your lyrics so far? Oh, it's... No, uh, I'm joking. <laughs> Later. Oh, still a work in progress, so... <laughs> uh, oh, here we go. It's it's called Drum Sequencer. Okay, cool. Are you yeah. planning to play... Have anyone play drums or have live drums? Or are you happy with program oh. drums? I was thinking about just keeping it with the program drums, like keeping cool. it nice and simple because... Uh, I like doing things on my own, so that way I, it's more a hobby rather than a semi-professional thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you don't so have to I'm, rely on anyone either. Yeah, exactly, and uh, so it like simplifies the whole th- process a little bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, potentially doing a bit of gigging, but uh, just depends on how it all pans out, really. Cool. So, do you have a bass guitar? I do actually. Yeah. Okay, and you've got an electric guitar. Yep. You've got program drums. Do you have a microphone? I've got a microphone. You're pretty much set. You don't need expensive gear to do stuff. It's more about how you drive the equipment you've got. So do you have a recording program? Oh, I'm working with Audacity at the moment. Yeah, that, I mean, that'll do. It's a little bit... I wouldn't say it's limited because it's got a lot of features, but uh, the layout... I think Audacity is more designed for maybe um, two-track recording, for doing things like podcast or sound design, like basic um, getting sound effects out in the... whatever they call that. Capturing sounds for libraries, yeah, whatever. Something like that. Basic editing and things like that. Yeah, um, I've been using that to uh, transfer some of my old uh, records, you know, to, perfect. Uh, to the computer. Yeah, so that's really good. And do you have an interface? Uh, I sort of do, because uh, my girlfriend Adele, she's got this, uh, like this multi-track uh, rec- little recording thing. Does it hook to your computer or is it, it standalone? It's uh, USB, so like, uh, you cool. pre- like you record on the device and... Uh, yeah, then it's you save all the files in, I think it's WAV format. Ah, oh, and then bounce it to the computer. Yeah. Okay, that might be more difficult. <laughs> um, I would say if you're going to spend any money at all just to buy a recording interface so you can record directly to Audacity or something like that, I'd look into a program called Reaper. Mm, Reaper like... is not free, as you get told every time you open it, but the demo never I runs out. So you can muck around with it for ages and check it out. It's fully functioning. It'll work the same way as like your Pro Tools or Cubase, Logic, all that stuff. And in many ways, it's more expandable um, and versatile than all of those put together. There's also something called the Reaper blog, which a guy runs and has like heaps of YouTube videos, tutorials and all this stuff, how to do everything. So, yeah, it's very easy to access resources for it. Um, in terms of quality, though, I would spend... What have you got? Focusrite Scarlet. How much did that cost? 200 bucks, maybe. 200 bucks. I'm pretty sure you can get a cheaper one than that of the same thing. So get just like a, a single-channel Focusrite Scarlet. I'll suss some things out and send it to you. Um, that'll have a preamp, so that'll power your microphone. It'll have an instrument input, so you can plug your guitar and bass direct into it. Uh, the only thing you might not be able to use on the computer is your drum software. And to make drums sound good, you really need to be able to um, edit or mix each individual element of the kit. Like, yeah, you could get a two-track, like a stereo file and compress it or whatever, but it's better to have control over the snare, kick, toms, etc. separately. And then, yeah, 
Can we suggest Stephen Slate drums? Stephen Slate drums is what Cabby uses. Actually, I use it for demoing and stuff as well. So that's a bit of software for the computer as well? It's yeah. about 79 you get on US. special, you can get it for oh, the cheap version. Yeah, you only get one kit with the cheap version, but... That's all you need, though. If you, if you know... I don't know whether you use clicks or tempos, if you know what tempo, how fast your song needs to be, you can set that on Reaper, and then with your Stephen Slate drums, you can just drag in a, a drum uh, groove, and it will automatically link to whatever tempo you've got. So if you just want a blast beat, you just drag a blast beat in and it sounds sort of like real drums, probably more so than you'll get off your phone. Yeah, probably easier. samples those things. Yeah, because, the I mean, the initial thoughts were I was going to go for the shittiest sound I could get, but, uh, yeah, I want to get something a little bit decent now. Yeah, that'll do, yeah, and then you play along to that and you record as you go, really. Mm. One thing to note is that Porno Grind, like <laughs> um, early Carcass records, right, they sounded shit, or Burzum records, they sounded ultra shit. But they were recorded with, like, great drum kits in a room. It's just they only had a their mum's cassette deck with the built-in mic. So they stick that in the room. But for all we know, they could have been playing Marshall Amps, Les Pauls with friggin' DW drums. You, you know, like, it's more about how they captured it rather than the equipment they use. So I would definitely start with good samples and or good anything and then dumb it down after the fact because... <laughs> Yeah, that would be my tip. But, yeah, all you want to do, the basic things, just so we don't crap on about this endlessly, is to just get it into the box at a reasonable signal. You record at 24-bit, which you can do on the Scarlet, um, and I can write down these basics for you. As long as you hit a certain level, then you're going to be able to manipulate it um, with heaps of access to headroom and stuff once it's actually in your program. And that's where the magic happens. That's also the hard bit to do because... Unlike what we said before, getting sounds at the source, you'll be creating them in the box after you've already recorded them. So there are a bunch of free guitar amp plugins, bass plugins, vocal effects, stock plugins on Reaper, anything that will give you a really good result. And do you know the band Point Breakdown? I don't believe so, no. Okay, so I'll link you to them after. That's just my mate who lives in Bremer Bay, and he is a one-man band. And he does that all just after work while his kids are sleeping with headphones on, plugging direct into his computer and using Stephen Slate, actually, and mixes on Reaper and everything with an even shittier interface than a Focusrite Scarlet. So, yeah. Hmm. Oh, excellent. Oh, thanks very much. But it takes a while to get from there to there. It's just practice, though. So... Yeah, a lot of reading, a lot of work, watching YouTube yeah. how-to videos and stuff like I do that. I like reading together. and YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I know. Perfect. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll write a list and I'll email it to you of oh. things to look for, some resources. Oh, thanks very much, mate. <laughs> no worries. Uh, any other recording-based things? Aiden, you have you picked a studio yet for your new album? Yeah, we've picked Radar. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. cool. I've only just heard about that, actually. Yeah, what was it before? It was... Um, Is that the one behind the uh, Holden or whatever? Yeah. Okay. I've um, been in that room. It used to be called something else. What was it before? We tried to book it. Uh, West Perth, would it be called? Yeah, no. Just it off is, the freeway? It is in West Perth, just behind the freeway. Yeah, yeah you turn yeah. off at... Um, loop? Loop, yeah. Loop. You yeah, the yeah. main room, then they had a B room. So there's, yeah. the, there's two different studios. The main well. room is that monster room, yeah, right? Yeah, it's massive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. Who's, who's there now? Dan Carroll and Matt Geo. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we're chosen there and we're going with 
two engineers as well for the opening weekend for the for the first three days of tracking. Okay. Just so we get maximum efficiency, well, particularly for the drum tracking. So you're going to have someone running the desk and someone moving the mics in the room? Yeah, so okay. both both the two engineers that work there. Yep. So we're going to run Matt and Dan for probably two days, yeah, just for the yeah. drum tracking. Yeah, cool. Um, and they've both got good ideas, so we're hoping yep. we can kind of, um, yeah. Uh, who plays drums? Uh, Tim Watkins. Okay. Yeah. Is that, and he's in your band now or is yep. he a hired gun? Okay, Yeah, cool. he, he's in the band, but he's actually a prog rock drummer oh, cool. so he comes from a prog rock heavier kind of background yeah so, yeah cool and he's pretty well versed in the studio has he done that sort of stuff yeah before? all his prog rock bands they run on guide tracks yeah uh his latest ep they've just done what bands is he in? uh he's they're in um uh what's it called yalla yalla no yeah. i don't know they're only just kind of starting out yeah, and that okay. as well yeah um okay. and he's in a couple other we're Rockingham way, so we've got yeah. a couple. He's got a couple other little like, soft rock bands down there as well. When we had drummers doing this analog tape disaster a couple of years ago, uh, we were going to retrack at a studio, and yeah, we looked at Loop, and I went in there and had a look. It is pretty pricey. What is it? It used to be a thousand. Oh, it was fifteen hundred bucks a day, and they dropped it. Yeah, it's it's not too bad now. It's only um, seventy seven an hour. Okay, so that's for, heaps better. Yeah, for eight-hour day, and they're only running eight-hour days, ten-hour days. Yeah. Uh, and then for the two engineers, it's only 100 an hour. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. It's not too bad, really. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'd ever be able to have two engineers running around after me. I'd be too scared that I'd yeah. fuck something up. <laughs> so, well, that's when you start looking into uh, funding and getting grants from the government, I guess, if you want a mm. crazy recording like that, extra money to throw around. Are you doing the rest of the band at the same time or just layering? Yeah, we're going to layer it, yeah. Okay. So, And are you going to record the rest of the elements at, um, what is yeah. it, Ragga? Radda. Radda. Yeah, Radda, Radda, Radda. Yeah. yeah, we're going to do it all there, but I guess that's the difference. We do have the money. Like, yeah. We get paid pretty well because we're probably a bit more worldly. Um, we can yeah. get paid for a lot more gigs. So. Oh, so the band's funding it? Yep. Oh, see, that's yeah. unheard of in this room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that like constant gigging, like weekly sort of thing? No, we gig probably two times a month. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, All we, sorts we, of venues? Yeah, mainly south. Yep. We can get three times more money yep. for half the amount of work. How long do your sets go for usually? We have a max of 245s. Oh, wow. Um, so we generally only prefer to play one hour. <laughs> All um, originals? Or yeah, mix? generally maybe one or two covers, yeah. Oh, okay. And selling a bit of stuff while you're there as well, yeah, of shirts. Of course, and merch. We've got shirts and um, and our first EP as well. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. So that's amazing. <laughs> so we, I went for a grant actually as well. Yeah. Uh, DCA grant, but didn't get it. So. Yeah. Okay. That's a surprise. It is a surprise. We've had got four of them in the past. And yeah. So if you need a I, hand. I thought I wrote it really well too. Like I did everything I could. Sometimes it's just timing and. Yeah. yeah. I did everything I could. Like I, I took heaps of time as well, but still, just yeah, wasn't, didn't work. Yeah. So, they, they sort of give you feedback as you go a yeah, bit. So, yeah. yeah, the stuff that they Pretty gave nice. me, the feedback they gave me back as well. Was, some of it I knew. I was kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, I did I did kind of skip that. <laughs> um, but the other stuff, I was like, man, I, I couldn't even try and fix that. It was past what I could kind of do. Mm. So yeah. now at the moment, I think they do like um, 
is like you choose uh, three parts of support material. Was it like that when you did it? Because yeah, you choose. Yeah, you've only got three. Yeah, three and categories. Then like and then one pages. will be like you know biography and press release. Yeah, and you got to choose what. Yeah, finance. Whatever one's like a big marketing plan or yeah. YouTube videos or whatever to support what's in your application. Yeah, it used to be yeah, just pin like everything. No, it's it's very and if you go over it, you automatically yeah, yeah. get dismissed. Yeah, one page over your allowed. It's like you're like yeah, they don't even look at it. Yeah, um, but I, I've actually heard now as well. It's easier or less competition to go for the higher grants as opposed to the oh, yeah. ones. I think it's under fifteen grand. There's just so many people applying for it. It's really hard. But over fifteen, there's less, and you have a better chance. Yeah, but you just got to make sure your your application's up to scratch. I guess. And a lot, I think, to do with grants, especially WA, DCA, it's government run. They want you to be promoting... They love regional stuff too, if you're yeah. playing yeah, down we, south. We had a six-launch show, so we set an album with six launches, and it was four of those launches were out of uh, Metro. Wow, cool. Yeah. So I thought I ticked a lot of boxes about the scope of it, but yeah. Mm. And yeah, just like, um, you know, local culture and things like that because yeah. I mean a lot of the angle that we go when we go for grants is by promoting Australian music culture yeah. abroad yeah. Um, or promoting WA metal to other states yeah. that also looks good if you're playing regional shows over east the fact that you're playing original music too for two sets mm. and pulling numbers and yeah. it's because it works both ways the government wants to get exposure for themselves as well to exactly. say yeah. we did this as uh, and it was a success yeah. Thanks, DCA. We always like, say, like, thanks to previous funding from DCA, we managed to do this and um, we did this tour and then we got all these extra fans and now we're ready to capitalise on those fans by doing another tour to this area. And um, so they sort of see that you're using it for the right stuff, I guess, and, and more more inclined to help you out. Mm. I think you can get one, a, one per 12 months or something. Uh, but um, it's definitely helpful when you're earning like $50 a gig, like metal bands, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so in terms of the studio, though, I think, um, do you guys record demos at home? Yeah, we, we do the demos at home. Um, yeah. We probably don't do as much as we should. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we've got four weeks now until, the, until we're booked in. Yeah. So I think we're knuckling down on rehearsing with Click. Yeah, okay. Um, but so you create tempo maps and everything to yeah. rehearse to? Yeah, yeah. sweet. Uh, we're doing that at the moment, so... Yeah. Well, the first record was just rushed, mm-hmm. but I think it's a hard line because we don't want to be too, like, regiment because um, we are quite a live um, jam band. Mm. But I think we went too far with the first rec- record that was just a bit way too live, you know? Yeah. It's finding a balance, but not, we're not too sure how we're going to create that yet. <laughs> That room is so big. Are you tracking drums in the big room? Yeah, I guess we will be, yeah. I'm sure you could, like, use gobos and block off sections. Yeah, and definitely could, yeah. So even if you are playing to a tempo map or whatever, click tracks, you could be in the room playing along with the drummer and even if those tracks aren't captured mm. and they're scrapped at the end of the day, yeah. like, at least the drummer feels like they're vibing that's, I mean, a lot of really successful, famous recordings are a whole band playing together and then they essentially only keep the drums and possibly the bass yeah, sure. and then overdub everything else after the fact. And that was an interesting idea, Aiden, with you recording Ash and then programming the drums based exactly on what he plays. Like, that's sort of the same thing. You're, you're trying to layer up with the impression that you've played as a live band. So... Yeah. 
Yeah, and the other thing as well that I've never actually experimented with, but uh, I know Metallica did this on the Black Album. I recently rewatched the uh, making of the Black Album, and you hear them talking about, oh, the cur- uh, the chorus should be 121, and I never noticed it before, but I'm thinking, oh, they must be talking about beats a minute. So they're talking in terms of like bumping that bit up one BPM. The next bit's groovier, so they'll drop it back to 119. Then the main riff is 120. And so the there's a little bit of an ebb and a flow, even though you're playing with the click. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins on Machina and the Machines of God or whatever it's called, they did the same thing where the chorus was two BPM faster just to pulse the energy and it doesn't sound like a lot and it's not supposed to be because again if you're a drummer and you're playing and it's suddenly five bpm difference but you're supposed to pretend like you're maintaining the same groove it's too much but just these subtle things like you could almost not not even tell your drummer that and (laughs) they that you'd probably find they play pretty well throughout yeah no that's a good idea actually yeah and then the other side of that is recording in the rehearsals and just hearing the kind of the interplay between in terms of the drummer, the drummer and the bass player, figure out what the real rhythm relationship is in the band. It's it's such a stark change to suddenly just have a click track. And if you haven't recorded your guide track in the way that you like to play it together, then in the studio, the drummer's, he usually plays a kick on an offbeat, but the guitar's strumming on an onbeat. So then he'll just feel like he needs to land on that onbeat. So just little tiny things like that. And then from there, it's just familiarity with the music. Can I just ask, with the um, session players you got, or high, high ones, um, how do they learn the songs? Like, do you just give them the songs and they figure it out? They're just good musos? Or do you give them, like, tabs? Uh, or yeah, like generally just... Um, well, we've had a bass player. We've been having... come Get him a few for our bigger shows. Um, so he pretty much knows the songs, but we'll give him the demos um, before... <coughs> So he knows the songs, but we'll give him the, de- the dead demos yeah. before we go in so he knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, it is so sort of ha- go have a one-on-one jam with him, just you and him to we, practice We've stuff. already done that kind yeah. of stuff, so before. Um, and then some of the horn stuff, we'll probably just give him the tracks and say, hey, we just want to do this kind of melody here, like yeah. just go with him. And then, but we kind of like to give people whatever they want as well, you know, like we'll say, oh, we want some horn here, but we're happy to let you just have a play first. And if it, if it sounds cool, we'll run with it. If it's not what we're after, then we'll probably just yeah. tell them what, what we're exactly after. Awesome. So we, we, we're not too, like, regiment about what we do. So we, we, sometimes we just jam the songs on stage and extend them. You know, if people are happy, jam, like, dancing, we'll just keep going. Yep. So things aren't always the same. And we're happy to, yeah, roll with that. Yep. Mm. Awesome. What about um, with you guys in Septillion, when you, like, got a new bass player? A while ago, how do you teach them songs? You just have to figure it out. Or your tabs. Yeah, usually it's, I'll just write down the tabs. I'll just basic as I can. Just notepad. Yeah, not, not just notepad. Just a bit of paper, write it down, and then just give it to them and say that's like the basic. Sometimes it's pretty much the same what I'm playing. Yeah. But also, like if you want to elaborate and do something different, go ahead. But here's what we're playing. Yeah. Just play along to it, and then once you get comfortable, do what you want to do. Cool. Yeah, pretty much. We've started doing this thing like as part of pre-production, I guess, or as if you're demoing, put the song in Guitar Pro as you go. So you can always refer to that, um, you know, either when you go to recording or if you've got a band camp and you want to give something free with it, you can include the guitar tabs for every song. Might, people might be more inclined to pay for the album. Um, and also, we have fill-in bass players all the time. So having that stuff on hand is awesome. You can just, like, fire them. The, um, the tabs and say figure it out rather than having to jam with them all the time I guess 
as a fill-in bass player, what do you need as a fill-in player? Uh, learn shit. Guitar Pro would be awesome rather than like the handwritten or notepad or like the day yeah. before the gig, let's sit down and, and try to sort of relearn these songs. But um, yeah, it, it would be it would be super easy if it was like a text like, hey man, can you fill in and hear all the Guitar Pro yeah. stuff? Do you feel like Are you're you scolding Cabo right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be the first Hi, time. Cabo, you know when you sent me that uh, notepad of three bars for a whole album out <laughs> yeah. to figure it all out? Yeah. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I think that's interesting. So we've got, yeah, going to have to probably look at that with our bass player moving to America to live. Mm. Um, so has, has moved. Has moved. Yeah. Good to have that's all that stuff there. So and <laughs> yeah, an extra bonus thing to give away when you've got a new album. Mm. Good piss? It was a great piss. Yeah. Broke the seal. Yeah, sweet. Blew a seal. <laughs> um, the other things that I've done in the past in terms of recording that I wish I could have changed are things like, as a drummer, like snare drums, you know, like on... Um, Pro albums, they, they're like, oh, we used this snare on this song and this snare on this song. Well, I've got one snare, so stiff shit. You know, whereas like studios, especially I'm assuming Radda has a bunch of snare drums and a few things. I've seen they've got like different amps and stuff and it goes the same with everything. If you've got a really clear picture of the sound that you're going to get, I would be trying to get it at the time that the mic's put on it. And especially if I'm paying 77 bucks an hour, I'd want to be walking out of a tracking session going, that is the sound that I want and that's the performance I want out of it. Because, yeah, there's you can do a lot of tricks in mixing, but usually that means replacement. So, again, to take that example, you played live, the sound wasn't the way you wanted it, so you've got a whole new drum sound, even if it's your playing style, mm. over the top. In metal bands, it happens a lot with um, drummers, especially with kick drums. Even if it's their natural performance... It's like an augmented sound. It's not a natural kick drum sound. Pop is the same. They, you know, they get the best drummer in the world in and then they replace the sound of the snare after the fact. So if you want a more organic sound, it's definitely about being prepared in terms of um, having your tempos sorted and the performances sorted. But if you want the sound to be organic as well, that's got to be taken into consideration. So things like if you want a big wet snare drum sound, you probably want a thicker snare head for that song deeper snare perhaps maybe it's got a wood hoop thicker stick um it all depends like those little tiny things can really make a difference um yeah because if you go through and just have a generic snare with the same tuning every song it might not quite come out the way you want it and if you want to change it after the fact you're replacing sounds room mics are the same with um every instrument too big roomy acoustic guitar sound going to have to stick a mic in the room or else you're using reverb which you know can sound quite nice but isn't the same as an organic room sound and you're in a huge studio like take advantage you know so yeah but these things also go for if you're doing it at home um, if you want a slightly more roomy guitar sound and your room sounds good find a spot in the room where it's in phase and sounds nice blend it in but metal's different because usually you do have a very dry guitar sound and same with drums too, you don't use much room mic, so it just sort of sits there rather than being a feature. It's more of just a presence. Should we just wrap the fucking shit up on recording and <laughs> anyone um, got I have any one final more things? question, yeah, like yeah. a real quick one. Um, we're thinking of possibly like one of our options for um, releasing like a demo or singles or something, or at the very least, like just like you're saying, recording for rehearsal and songwriting purposes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I've got Studio One, so that's what I use to record the other album. But we're thinking of doing like uh, actually recording Ash's performance. Yep. Um, so just like asking if there's any like tips, like how many mics should we use? Because we've got like quite a like uh, nice rehearsal studio down at his house and stuff. So we've got a yep. nice like area to do it. Um, so yeah, just like any pointers. Yeah, for sure. For um, starting to record drums because I've never recorded them acoustically before. Yeah. So. Yeah. Those guides on the internet are pretty spot on. Like the idea is, is that that's an eyeball and that wherever it looks, it's going to pick up sound from. Now, that's not strictly true in all cases because every mic has a different uh, polar pattern or, um, you know, the style of mic might depend. This is a dynamic or all these are dynamic mics, but condensers will maybe have a wider spread or be more highly sensitive, et cetera, et cetera. But there's no reason why we couldn't get a pretty decent sound from just these six mics in this room. Thing so it's you, like one for overheads, one for snare, kick, and that'd be enough? Or? Yeah, I f- hate uh, mono drums because I'm a drummer. I'm real anal. I want them nice and wide and big. But, I mean, listen to some old recordings and, like, the Beatles, it's all mono and they sound pretty awesome. They don't sound thick and super heavy, but... You know, it can be done that way. But, um, yeah, heaps of miking guides on the net to do it with three microphones. Uh, That's cool, but I don't think you'd be too happy with what comes out of it. Uh, What you really need is input, so what interface do you have? At the moment, I've just got a two-track PreSonus that came with Studio One. So I'm thinking of upgrading to maybe eight or something like that. Yeah, so eight is huge. That's plenty, right? In a really awesome room, you'd probably use you know, upwards of 10 or more, but eight will cover the basics, stereo overhead, yeah. one kick, which you'll probably trigger anyway, being metal, um, a snare, don't necessarily need a snare bottom, but I mean, that might be an extra, and then just Tom, 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 you got three Toms? Uh, four. Tom, 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 Tom. So pretty basic, but this here, that has four inputs. It's got quite a nice sound, and then this really shitty Behringer thing that I bought off Gumtree for 150 bucks hooks up via ADAT, and I've done a drum recording. I'm recording you guys on it right now, just straight into the preamps. And once again, if your placement's good, no one's going to hear it and go, oh, those toms were through the Behringer. That sucks or something. I would definitely just trust in, um, especially if you've got access to a room, tweaking your mic technique to get a better sound. Uh, there's heaps of different theories on how to do it. If you imagine a drum being like this on the edge near the rim, it's going to give you, and pointing straight down, you're going to get more overtones. So a bit more boingy or not San defined. <laughs> it's a bit more San Anger maybe <laughs> if you tuned it high. <laughs> what I do is I aim it at the centre. So essentially where the meat of the stick hits the snare. And so that's the point of impact and it will get a lot more of the direct tone of the drum and less overtones. Um, and I wouldn't have it too far because you probably won't be able to with hi-hats in the way. Um, but also be aware, I've tried miking in between my rack toms at the front and it's picked up tons of hi-hat bleed. Maybe they reflect off the snare into it, I don't really know. So what I do is your hi-hats are here, your snare's here, I'd be pointing it down because a cardioid dynamic mic has the most rejection from the back. Uh, the other thing you can do is like stick something in between, like a bit of foam on a microphone stand, in between the microphone and the hi-hat, so it's not going to get in the way of you hitting. And, um, yeah, 
just try and lower it. This is summoning. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I broke the rule. Brooding yeah, I know. <laughs> and um, that goes to the toms as well. So centre of the tom, some distance away. But I would say if the mic is... Oh, and you want it this side of the rim, like the skin side of the rim, so the capsule is over the top of it. And, uh, yeah, that's going to possibly change where your cymbals are, especially because cheaper mics, you, they've got these big long barrels on them. Um, so, yeah, just position them all facing towards the centre of the skin. As far as overheads go, I would measure the distance of my overheads from the snare and make sure they match. So if you, a safe way to do it is XY, which is that. So the capsules of the microphone cross in an X and you place it so you, the centre line of your kit is the snare and the kick. Put it in the middle so, again, it's an eye, so it's facing the whole drum kit, if you know what I mean, getting a clear image, and then you can pan them left and right, either hard left and right or like maybe 75 each way. The other way is to do a spaced pair, so over here and here, and it might look weird, but if you measure one of them from the snare and then with a mic lead maybe, and then you move it over there and that's where you place the other capsule, that will keep the snare in the centre of the stereo image and stop phase problems. The other drums might have phase issues to do with the high, uh, with the the sorry the overheads, but in terms of the kick, you'll probably be triggering it anyway. And so that's um, triggering it is probably better on a demo level than just trying to get a raw acoustic kind of sound. Yeah, well, you can use the acoustic mic to trigger uh, a natural trigger and then blend it. Right. But again, I'll, I'll just give you heaps of info and where to look for this stuff if you want to ask yep, like no ultra-specific questions. But that's basically, you can get away with all that. Uh, the last recording I did, I used a 57, which is pretty much a 58, on the kick drum and I think the limitation of that is that it doesn't have as much low end as a bass drum mic but if you're going to trigger anyway what yeah. does it matter it's it's not as hard as it seems it's just getting all the necessary things in the right place like I was saying with Oliver just having the right amount of preamp gain if it's too low you'll be closer to the level of the noise that is inherent in the preamp so when you do crank it up the noise comes up if it's too hot, you'll get clipping and you don't want that. And that's about it. Everything else can be like uh, augmented in the program. You can sample replace everything. You can get away with a lot with compression. You can do things like like have some pink noise. So just shh like that and trigger a gate off the snare. So every time it hits the snare, the gate opens and then the pink noise goes and it sounds like a bottom snare sort of, you know. So you can do tricky things like that or... Duplicate the snare if you've got one type of snare. You crank up the head on it and you have it really like cracky and attacky, but you want more bottom. You can duplicate the snare, roll off all the top end and then just boost the shit out of the low end. Do stuff like that, compress the crap out of that and then tuck it in underneath. So there's a lot of things you can do in post that will make it sound like you've got a good recording. So then, And I'd get away from the idea that you're recording a demo like, don't tell anyone it's a demo. And don't be scared if you think it's going to sound like a demo because listen to this. This is like one of my favourite albums and it's probably recorded in a bedroom with one keyboard. So, you know, who cares? Yeah. And your guitar tone sounds sick anyway. So as long as it's balanced with the drums, it'll be wicked. Cool, thanks. But, yeah, I'll send you some stuff. Have you guys written a new album already? Uh, one and a half songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably going to be awesome. more it's gonna be like a little EP or something, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Just um, 
because our riding process takes a fair while just because we usually stiff and stuff around, have a few drinks and play and then <laughs> we all can't come to the same like conclusion what we want to do. So It's a beautiful thing about being in a band, right? Yeah, so we just probably try to keep a little EP but try to get a maybe better recording done yeah. and then just go from there then see how we go. Like, what was um, with Inheritance, the last album, what was the coolest thing that came out of that, I guess? Like, did heaps of people listen to it? Did you get much feedback and stuff? Yeah, a lot of people, like, everyone's pretty keen on it. Like, everyone liked, obviously, all the songs that they liked was recorded on there. The last one on there, called The Wild, that was sort of, like, done there on the spot. Like, we had an idea for the song. We needed, like, we didn't want to have, like, just six songs. We thought, I'll try and knock out another one. It's probably a little bit rushed in some spots, but we're pretty happy with it. Like, just, like, me and Aiden just, like, oh, maybe just chuck this in here, that in there, and then yeah. just whipped up the drum beat and slapped it together then and there pretty much, and then <laughs> it was done, so. I guess awesome. the only thing we really didn't like about it was that, obviously, Ash didn't actually get to play yeah. his parts, yeah. which really sucked well, if for you, us, If you but... thought about it now, like, we'd probably put a little bit more thought into how we're going to do it, but... I don't know if you've heard the first Claim the Throne album, but compare <laughs> compare yeah. Inheritance to that and you'll be proud of yourself. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is Ash Devo about that, not being on it, or is it no. just one of those things? I think initially he was, but we managed to get like a lot of his styles in there with a couple of his beats. Yeah. It was more of timing because he had his own work and stuff going, so it was a bit hard to sort of... he probably tell when he sits down, but... um. Yeah, it's too hard to do because I think drums take a lot longer, obviously, yeah. to set up and then... Uh, at least you got something it. out, you know, it's a full yeah, album and that. The main thing was just getting something out. Yeah, it's just time and money. Last time we did it was um, the EP we did. Like, we got it done prop- properly recorded. Uh, Sam Allen did it, so that was, like, decent tones and stuff, but then we don't play any of those songs or one of those songs we only play, so we needed to get something out there because it's sick of... People go, oh, that was a sick show, and you give them the CD, yeah. and they go home and go, what, what the fuck's this? Like, <laughs> that's not you, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, I hell loved it when it came out. I've, you've always been one of my favourite Perth bands, for sure. Not that you're from Perth, but, you know, WA. Yeah, border. <laughs> um, I would say the only thing about that one, it's like it just sort of snuck out, like all of a sudden yeah. the album was out, and yeah, that's, that's whether what, everyone knew about really it much or not. We didn't any PR for it, basically. We just had, like, Facebook, so, you know, Ash, you know, Facebook would have just missed it completely. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's our only avenue. We've got to look at websites and stuff. Part of the reason we're here today. Is that's why I was um, Yeah, interesting what Josh said, I thought, earlier about um, they've got this grotesque, have this new album coming out and it's going to be awesome. Everyone knows it's going to rule, but he doesn't want it to just sneak through and just get dusty on the Perth Metal shelf and not go anywhere. So, yeah, I well, guess... Well, Cabby, you're about to release an album. How the hell are you doing it? Yeah, I don't know yet. I've been thinking about it for eight months since we finished recording <laughs> yeah. and not released it yet. Um, but yeah, now we're all full, full bottle on recording. Yeah, we don't want to waste them, I guess, just by having spending so much time and so much money and so much passion and stuff writing and recording everything. It's a bummer if people don't hear it, and especially when you hear an awesome album like your guys, for example. And you know, it's better than a bunch of Demon Borgir albums, you know. But no one will ever know. So um, yeah, I would hate for that to happen with our feedback loop, the new album by uh, Perth's death metal extraordinaires, Grotesque. <laughs> Um, I noticed that you announced it last week, well, not you, but Grotesque, mm. mm-hmm. which is pretty exciting. And you've got a um, album launch booked, right? Yeah, we do, yeah. Uh, booked for 25th of August at Amplifier. Cool. Mm. So when, um, when I saw it was announced, I was like, fuck yeah. And then I went to pre-order it. 
right. but I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, and then I wanted to listen to some of the music to know if it would be good, like a video clip, and there wasn't one. No, that's not. Shit. <laughs> and then I went to listen to the last album on Spotify, and it wasn't there. Oh, isn't it? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I reckon um, it'd be cool if we could just like identify some problems. Maybe you know, mm. like um, mm-hmm. in Seinfeld, there's Festivus, yes. and you tell people how they've disappointed you throughout the year. Yep. If we start that way, yeah, and awesome, then we'll, we'll solve the problems. All right, sick. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah, I mentioned those couple of things that I notice. It's like um, I don't. I just reckon when you announce an album, it needs to be like a big announcement, and you have to have a bit of a plan. Like um, I'm all talk because we haven't even released our album yet, but. Our, our, the way we're sort of thinking for that is have have an announcement date and, you know, out, announce it on Facebook. If you have a website, you can chuck it there. If you've got a mailing list, all that. Um, probably uh, some webzines as well, like um, some metal websites or something can say, check, I think which, I think you guys have had a couple that have come up. But it'd be cool if it's a, just a bit of an impact. Mm. And if there's a pre-order link, that means someone can take action straight away if they like the sound of it. If you've got a video clip or... Um, a lyric video or just one song that people can check out in advance, they can do that. And then maybe two weeks later, you can do another thing, like maybe you have another song that you can put out um, or release ticket sales to your gig um, or announce some tour dates if you had them, anything like that. Mm -hmm. And then eventually the the album comes out. So it's just like like the the ideal time in a band's career where they can really push something pretty pretty hardcore. So like you say, it'd, it'd be a shame to waste it, I guess. Yeah. Would be all I think. Um, did you guys like choose a date to announce it or anything, or just sort of um, keen to pump to get it out? Sort it, of thing yeah, yeah, kind of. We we had wanted to kind of release it a little bit earlier. Um, we we're just a bit hamstrung by sort of the the finishing touches on like post production, and there yeah. there were one or two tiny issues with like the the mastering of it that we needed. Um, our engineer Sam Allen to fix but literally three or four days after I'd finished tracking and he'd, he'd quickly sort of given us what he considered to be the final master and, and it was really good but then he went off to America for two months for a tour and there were a couple of members yeah. of the band that wanted A, B or C just slightly changed and he, he wasn't in a position to do it and he only got back two weeks ago and that's when we could finally do that cool. and now we've got just a few other little things happening with like samples and, and whatnot which should be done by this weekend so as far as things like you know having a video or a lyric video or, or something like that that people can see or listen to prior to the launch we're as of this weekend we'll be in a position to maybe do that awesome. uh, that has been talked about but we're just hamstrung by the fact that our engineer went away for two months basically yep. unfortunately yep. for sure but because you've got an album launch date announced you probably want to announce that sooner rather than later so can people can put it in their calendars yeah, yeah so that makes sense yeah yeah um but yeah i'd, I'd reckon start thinking about how you're gonna promote it a bit more so mm. so have those changes been made now the album's finished or a couple of things we, we we haven't yet got back the the final thing oh, yeah. from from um our friend chris brown he's doing some samples for us um which he's told us we'll get back this weekend at some point so assuming we're happy with what he's done then then it's finalized as, a, as an lp yeah i'd start thinking about getting it somewhere online perhaps mm. so people can hear a song i know you've got mm-hmm. the um there's a video teaser that's pretty cool yeah that's yeah, not yeah a whole lot of music on it yeah no so. there's very little music on um, it yeah and how are you gonna sell it like um is it just cds at gigs or there, is there, yeah or? yeah there will be cds at gigs so we'll, we're looking at getting like a pressing of the, i think a, a couple hundred um physical copies initially um as far as like digital release um we've only just really started talking about that um 
as far as that sort of side of stuff in our band, uh, again, I'm only new to the band, but I guess that's probably where we're all pretty weak on, like writing, jamming, gigging, that's sort of fine, but when it comes to this stuff happening, I know in bands I've been in in the past, it just happens. I'm a bass player, I just rock up and play dumb, really simple stuff, and then all of a sudden there's something on the internet, I don't know who did it, it just happens. So, like, I feel like in Grotesque, there's, there's people in the band that are way better at that stuff than me, but still sort of just waiting for it to just happen. <laughs> Someone's just going to do it for us. I'll tell you what's uh, better. It's better to be in a band that have awesome musicians and wicked songwriters but can't promote for shit than the opposite yeah. where you have a really shit band but they're great promoters and yeah, yeah, everyone's yeah. like, I'm sick of hearing about this band. They're so yeah, crap. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, focus on what you're good at and if that is writing technical death metal, then cool. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, you're still, like you say, you don't want it to be wasted, that's all. So Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I would say there's quite a few things you'd, you'd probably want to at right. least run by the other guys. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. In the lead up for it, but okay. as simple as having a web store online yeah, to be able to right. sell the CD. So if someone misses the CD launch, yeah. can they still buy the album? Yeah, okay. I guess. And so if you don't have a website, you can get like Big Cartel, for example, which is free. And right. you just upload a couple of pictures, put your PayPal in, and people mm-hmm. order them, and you don't have to do any work apart from go to the post office. Right. Um, yeah, I'll always like hell encourage people to get websites. Whether you're inclined to do that or not, if if no one knows how to do it, it can be a bit of a pain. But like um, Mordich Brothers over here have a wicked website on Banzoogle, which we use for the Claim the Throne one as well. Right. And we've got the, I think it's the highest tier expensive one because we've got run the podcast through it, but it's like a hundred bucks a year. Okay. It's not that bad and it's good when you can have one place where you can have all your information. You can direct, um, you know, when you've got a new album, you want radio play, reviews, mm. labels and stuff. They have one place they can go and just see everything. And it's customised. It looks like your band. Okay. You've got your logo, picture, yeah, okay. music, all your shit. You can make extra pages that aren't available in the view. So members of the public won't be able to see it. But if you sent a link to a radio station and say, here's our album, here's our bio, here's our gig dates, can you please play us when our new album's out? And they'll get that one page that only them can see. And they'll have all the info, and they'll pimp you out, like on Full Metal Racket and stuff. You'll be able to send that to them. And okay. So you'd play. suggest that's so say talking to a promoter or a label or a radio station, um, rather than sending them some sort of a digital press pack that they open as a file or a PDF or whatever, just a link like, hey, here's how Banzoogle check us out. Short answer, yes. However, before you do that, um, figure out where you're going to send it, and look at their website. So if you're going to send it to a radio station, just have a quick look on the radio show website and they might say, we only accept CDs, in which case it's a waste of time emailing them right. or vice versa. So just check that first. But mm. email is good because, or at least you can hit up the radio station or the reviewer. Well, the reviewers are good. You can say, here's our album, you just stream it and review it. And, mm. and then as you get the reviews in, that's when you start sharing them before the album comes out with the pre-order link. Right. And you say, this website reckons our album's awesome, so you should pre-order it here. Yeah, okay. So, which is a good way, and it's something to post about every few days on, on right. Facebook as well. Yes, Ash? Do Banzoogle hook you up with a domain name? Yes, includes domain hosting. Okay. Wow. Question one, good. Question two, why? why? <laughs> uh, the other thing that I've noticed you've done off Banzoogle is create a page that has an electronic press kit. Yeah, that's what so, I'm saying with the radio and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty, it is pretty fucking awesome to okay. be able to like just have that pre-packaged. And, yeah, and, and it's that, not even, that's the secret page. Yeah, secret yeah, right. pages. And you can have as many as you want. So if you're sending, them to ten, you're sending your album to 10 record labels, you can make 10 different pages if you really wanted and say grotesque.com slash nuclearblast, grotesque.com slash napalm. And then you can see how many visitors you get to each page and you know if that label's looking at you or not. Huh. 
Okay, it's like pretty intense. It takes a lot of time. More generic because napalm might ride in nuclear blast and then see them like... <laughs> That's true. You've said we love nuclear yeah. blast so much. <laughs> For an example. Uh, so just some things to think about. And at least um, with radio as well or interviews. Mm. You want interviews on the radio or interviews on websites, you send them that same a link, you know, grotest.com slash interviews. You can send that to all the people and they know stuff about you. And they'll reply to the email and say, yep, cool, when are you free? Or mm. here's, a, here's a Word doc of questions. Can you answer these? And then that's another thing, interviews, you just share them on your page before the CD launch date. Right, right. And it's stuff to promote and it's stuff to encourage people to go to that pre-order link. Um, so it's awesome if you get to CD launch day and you've got 50 pre-orders or whatever and mm. you know how much you've sold and all that. Um, is that way too much stuff to be able to deal with? No, no, that's cool, man. I guess my first question coming out of that is like with Banzoogle, it doesn't require like knowledge of HTML or web design. It's super no. user-friendly. Like yeah. me being a dumb idiot can go home today and do it. Definitely. Wicked. I would say Aiden will hopefully agree with me, but, um, you just, yeah, you pick your theme. They've got about, I don't know, 20 or 30 different themes that you want. And then, so you choose your theme and it's puts a template over a whole website. Right. Yeah, just add pages as you go. On the front page, you might have your news or your mailing list sign-up or your store or whatever you want. And all you do is it'll give you an option of things like store, blog, news, mm. HTML, whatever, and you drag them into the spot on the page that you want. It's really easy to use, man, okay. honestly. Awesome. Stu McGill can do it with Silent Night. So can you. <laughs> cool. Yeah, um, it was ridiculously easy. Okay, cool. I did it at work in my lunch breaks. Oh, wicked. <laughs> like, right, it was, and you can, everything's saved. So if you want to change your theme, like say, yeah, I didn't like that theme, mm. change your theme and everything will get dragged into your new theme. Right. Um, the shop's easy. Tracking, like everyone listens easy. I was you get stats just on your front page. And even if it's, you know, we had 10 people at the page today, it's just cool to know, I guess. Yeah. All right. Sick. Yeah, websites were always a pain in the ass yeah. before we had to be yeah. Google, we had this guy who did it for free, but he lived in Queensland, and if you wanted, like, we've got a gig this weekend, you'd have to email him. Yeah, it used to be a pain I mean, in the ass. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. I'm doing it for free, so I'll get around to it kind yeah. of thing. <coughs> and the other one we had originally for the podcast was WordPress, which works really well, but then a new version of WordPress comes out, Cabot installs it, next minute, nothing else that runs as a plug-in to WordPress, works anymore. And it's just a nightmare. So as soon as you... Like, you did that without consulting me. But, uh, yeah, you, you, told, you told me the That's link. what I do. <clears throat> told me the link. I went there and tried to upload a podcast and took me, like, eight seconds. And just the worst job became one of the easiest jobs to do. So I, I think Van Zoogle's fucking yeah. awesome. And if nothing else, it's at least somewhere to keep all your shit because yeah. your, your, your biography or whatever or... Um, I don't know, links to things that you might not have on your Facebook. You can just put them all in one spot. And if ever you need them, it's on your website. So if you can't find things yourself, there's no way other people are going to be able to. And it's weird to think about, like, especially not being on Facebook. I try and find out info on bands. And if they have a band camp, that's pretty cool. But if it's just Facebook, I have to type in the stupid code and then... You know, they try and get me to sign up. And if I'm not that interested, it stops me mm. straight away. Whereas... Um, it almost seems like having a website is unique these days. Yeah. Like mm. people can go to it and check everything out about you and gives you an edge. Oliver, Udall. Yeah, I've got a bit of like on the similar note about because I've been curious about things like Triple J Unearthed and how they sort of play into the whole situation. Like what's the advantage of something like Triple J Unearthed over say Bandcamp or a personal website? So they're all a bit different and it's where you want to decide whether you want to be on every single one or if you just want to choose the right ones for you. 
you, I think it's not good to be on every single social platform on the whole internet because you can't manage it all. And if someone messages you on one but you don't look at it, then it's sort of wasted and they think you're an arsehole. So just pick a handful of, of ones you're going to use, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Triple J on Earth maybe. Bandcamp is really awesome. And just leave it at that as much as you can manage. Triple J on Earth, I haven't used it a whole lot. We are on there. Uh, you have a few songs if you're an independent artist with no label then you're automatically in the sort of the draw for all the um exposure stuff that they do i believe and um and you're automatically available for radio play on triple j as well so that can't hurt i don't know if, if you've used that much aiden at all for non-metal yeah, stuff I've, I've kind of left i put it on there but i don't some people target it but yep. i haven't targeted people to the unearth stuff I've yeah run yeah. with other stuff yeah, because yeah, like I see promotion a lot on Bandcamp and similar things, but never Triple J on Earth. Yeah. They, like they push it all the time, and I've never heard of anyone actually using it. So you, yeah, you need to question why you're on it, right? So you're on Bandcamp because you've got an album there that you can sell, and you can make ten bucks off that album or whatever it is. You can you can charge zero dollars, but ask for that people have the option to pay more, which is really cool. You can give away f- like if with a with a download of the album, you can have free downloads like guitar tabs or pictures or video clips or anything, all this extra stuff which is great. So that's sort of its platform in itself. Unearthed is, is different purely for radio play. And if you're a metal band, you'd probably just contact Full Metal Racket directly or you'd go to other radio stations around the world. There's Around Australia, there's um, lots of metal shows on small stations like RTRFM or whatever. You just contact Critical Mass directly. You probably wouldn't go through the radio station as such. Um, yeah, so... It also clutters up your Google search. If you're on every platform... Yeah. Do you pick SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Unearth, freaking whatever? It's too hard. So as a fan from the outside, it can be really difficult to narrow down what you want me to look at as opposed to some other shit just because you're there. Yeah. Triple J tends to uh, rank really high. So like if you type in Woodridge Brothers, I think it's like maybe number two or something in ours. I don't know if it's like that with everyone else's bands, but... Same as like RTRFM, like we didn't even touch that, but that ranks like number one. Yeah, right. Really? On the Google search, yeah. And I can't, wow. I can't wow. get our actual <laughs> website above RTRs. Ah. Wow. Man, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, that's one of the benefits of having a podcast through your band. We can write articles or link to people we've interviewed in a, on our website, right? So if people, let's go for example, Grotesque, have put an article on their brand new website about their favourite ten death metal bands. Number one album from Josh, Blind Guardian, <laughs> death metal. And someone, so yeah. someone goes onto Google and they search Blind Guardian or whatever and they might scroll through a few and eventually they'll say, oh, grotesque. They click on you and they found you that way. It's another way of finding it. And the more people click on it, the more it'll go to the top of Google. Um, so with our website, um, the heading will be Claim the Throne, Melodic Death Folk Metal, Perth, Australia. So if someone searches Melodic Death Perth, we'll be at the very top. Um, but if you search just Claim the Throne, it might have, yeah, the website, Wikipedia, Unearthed, Bandcamp. LeBron James t-shirts. LeBron James. <laughs> Grotesque is a hard one because you're sharing a name with another metal band, yeah, which makes things hard as well. Mm. Um, yeah, and Wikipedia is a pretty pretty high-ranking one as well. So check if your band has a Wikipedia page, and you might be surprised that you've, someone's made one for you, and the information might be wrong, so you can go in there and edit that and make it look good. Also, if you can't get your own website to rank highly make yourself a Wikipedia page and that will automatically be pretty high if someone searches your band name. Hmm. You can put in whatever in there and then 
link them to, to your website if they're looking at the, the Wikipedia. But yeah, so to get your, your own band above Unearthed, is it, was that what it was? RTR. Uh, RTR. And, and then RTR your own website. Yeah. How, how? Off your search criteria, your yeah. name, they pop up. Yeah, so are they playing you a lot or something? No, it's, they've just got info we've sent them just to get yeah. on their database, and mm. I can't get them off. Like man, I reckon just <laughs> amazing. Search your band name and click on the link and do it every day for a, a week or something, and see if eventually it goes higher. Yeah. It will just it makes Google think that that website's more popular than RTR's. Yeah, <laughs> maybe like I've cross-linked that <laughs> and. Um, I paid for SEO for a month as well. Oh, really? Wow. And I still can't get it, like, really? above it, yeah. So, because, um, yeah, backlinking is important. So if other websites are linking to you, is yeah. that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. So you've done all that? Yeah, all, all the clips, like... That's every, absurd. Every site we have <laughs> links to our dot .com. What Conspiracy. a nightmare. Yeah, and like, I just can't get rid of RTR, and it doesn't even have the correct info. Like, I've sent RTR, like, yeah. our updated bio, and they just updated some of it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> That's so insane. I think Triple J might be up there as well, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So huh. The sorts of things people would search for, so, so for Septillion maybe, people would be looking like, would go on Google and go best black metal bands to try and find new bands. So if you were to be hell sneaky and you had a website and it was said Septillion best metal bands at the top, <laughs> it would be in that search and people would eventually stumble across you perhaps. It's like my... But, um, my novel, New York Times bestseller. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it is not a bestseller. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I wonder what's going on there. Because how, how is RTR's web presence so powerful that a unique name can just pop it straight to the top of the list? That's who we should be interviewing. Yeah, we should. Whoever runs that shit. Ask them. <laughs> yeah. And link them. Link them. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. Any any questions about sort of like online promotion, I guess? Well, I think you... Weren't you going to do the um, feature strength? Were you going to... All right. Well, I just, I just um, <laughs> dominated Josh. <laughs> no, it's good, I'll man. send you, you an email with a, a checklist yeah, of shit that yeah, I recommend, and then you can take it to Mark and go, man, look what yeah, I've done. Can, yeah, thank you. All right. So, Septillion are on Spotify with Inheritance, which is wicked, so I can listen to it heaps. Well, you glossed over my Oliver. CD out. For starters, what would you tell Oliver very Sorry, quickly with when he gets his recording, what's the first thing you should do? Triple J on Earth or nah. Facebook? And should you blow directly into that microphone? <laughs> Man, I'd get a I'd get a band camp and I'd get a Facebook. If you've just got one or two songs, you don't need to go getting your own website until you're like an established band, I think. Probably a bit of a waste of money. Oh, yeah, because um, I wasn't really planning on doing a Facebook until I've actually got some songs together. Yeah. You know, like... Uh, I mean, it's a concept I was told once, like, you only get one launch. So, so like, uh, you the one time the you announce your thing, it's, uh, <laughs> like, that's the thing that people remember. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, cool. I mean, I actually did do a Facebook for a group that my girlfriend and I did called, I mean, we're Avril Guard, and uh, we ended it. up on Exploitation Records with Dan from Fetus Fertilizer, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> It was like we just recorded on a phone, and uh, but we did make a Facebook, and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's our main promotional material. So uh, yeah, just post uh, random things like links to uh, links to the band camp where you can get the CD we're on, and yeah. that sort of thing. Cool. I think it's good, even if you've got a couple of songs like stuff like Radio Play is really cool. So if you've got a Facebook, even you can send it to the radio station and say, "Can we try and get some play?" And if they play, yeah. Then they'll post on their Facebook and they'll link you in and then more people will find you that way. Hmm. Do you okay. think it's worth, you said CD, do you think it's worth a new band pressing a CD? I see it as dead media <laughs> because we're listening to Apple Music right now and yeah. it's got an obscure fucking Norwegian band on it. 
Yeah, because the main reason yeah. main reason we did is because it was a compilation CD with a oh, whole lot of the uh, okay. like Perth one person two person bands. Yeah. So we got uh, we're on the same CD with well with Fetus Fertilizer and Septic Piggery and Prolapse Party and a few of the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, but Star Trek Party, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ferret, Ferret Festival. Ferret Festival. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually oh, it's funny actually. Like we actually did have to move the ferrets outside while we were recording because it was just too loud for their tiny, tiny ears. They were just <laughs> <laughs> they'll sniff out some foxes before long. Yeah, probably. It's like sneak out the rabbits. Yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> um, so, with you guys, do you get any money off Spotify at all? Oh, uh, yeah, there's, I don't know how much exactly, there's a sheet at home, because we did it through Disbank. Oh, really? And, so they um, give you the ISRC codes yeah. when they print it? And... Like every, I think every quarter they give you like a little printout. Really? Yeah. Do you just pay for, for it still, or do they take a cut? I think it's 80 bucks for like, and that's, they set it up yeah, and that's 80 it. 80 a year, I think. Really? That cancel that. Yeah, cancel that when shit. When you get home. Yeah. Sign up with um, DistroKid, which will cost you about 20 bucks a year max yeah. for as many releases as you want. Okay. And you manage it yourself and you see your own stats. You get all the money directly and um, and they'll push it across all the yeah. online so streaming stuff. You don't really see that much. And when they do sit into you, like, oh, yeah, you made like 80 bucks <laughs> in a quarter sweet. And that's like... That's pretty good. Yeah, but, then, but you don't know. They don't tell you. Yeah. So I suppose that's... Yeah, I think that's it's better if you can... A year too. Yeah. Yeah, and that... So you can log in and have a look at it whenever you want. Yeah. CD Baby and stuff is really cool, but um, it just costs more. And you pay per, per release. So DistroKid is a really cool one because it's, it's one per account. You upload as much stuff as you want, which yeah, Mark know. from Grotesque told me about. Yeah. about um, CD Baby was pretty cool. I set it up for mm. my, um, my other project, Doom Cave. And, um, yeah, $80 and now it's on pretty much everything yeah. except for Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah. You've got to yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to have both. Anyway, Bandcamp Camp's cool if you can encourage people to go there. But if people already have a Spotify or an Apple Music, perhaps they'll be less inclined to pay for a down- Bandcamp download, unless you're Ash. Yeah. Yeah. I still buy off Bandcamp. Yeah. But I do that out of um, knowledge of how little everyone gets paid for their output. You know, so. Also, Bandcamp has the name your price function for a lot of yeah. like underground bands, so you can just be like, ha ha, yeah, $2. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's funny though, like, yeah, every now and again, you'll get someone buy it and they'll pay an extra five bucks or ten yeah. bucks out of nowhere just because they can and they're it. awesome. Give you extra, yeah. yeah. And I think if you can include extra downloads and stuff with your with your Bandcamp download, people are more inclined to pay an extra couple of bucks, which is cool. Um, did you guys get any reviews with Inheritance? Because I tried to find some, I couldn't um, really see any. We haven't really sent many away. We've got one. There's this webzine thing called, I think, the Pain Factory or something it's called. Some dude from Peru did it all. Yeah, right. He asked us like four years ago, and he's finally got back to us this year, and he's done it. (laughs) 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 It's probably good because like four years ago, it was a completely different sound and lineup we had compared to now. Yeah. But and I would say it's not even too late now because it only yeah. came out last year. Yeah. Just get on Google and search Australian metal websites. Yeah. Get like 10 email addresses or and yeah. uh, sorry, 10 website addresses. Have a look how they want you to submit your CD. Yeah. If they want you to post it or email them something. And yeah, definitely. You can do that and it's pretty good exposure really. It's something extra that you can share all the time. Yeah, no, yeah if someone likes it, they'll plug it. And if someone really likes it, you can pinch like a review tagline for your yeah. next release maybe or for your promo for some tour or something. 
Um, and yeah, if people shit on it, then you just don't ever mention it ever again. <laughs> We've been crapped yeah. on so many times. Some of them, so. they're, they're some of the best ones, though. They're funny that you can share and be like, check this out. We've got zero out One of ten. One out of ten. Oh, yeah. zero, yeah, yeah. We've had a few zeros, I think, yeah. <laughs> We've also had a few tens, so, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. But it's kind of good to get feedback. You just got to know which ones to listen to and which ones not to. Um, and you yeah. can also, like, um, narrow down which ones would be suitable if they like all the bands you like. And your yeah. band sounds like that, then just throw them their way. Like sure. the zeros out of tens that we get are when we send them to people who are like only listen to summoning and that's it. And then they hear us talking about doing a piss in a lake and drinking a beer and they <laughs> think it's the worst music of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, cool. Uh, I'd like to give you some feedback, but everything was like real good online. So wait, I'll probably take tips from your website to get ours better. But, um, are you guys doing more touring, like outside of WA or something? Yeah, we we released a video, um, and that got us booked for a festival in Queensland. Sweet. So, yeah, just from that So one. when you say that got you booked, does that mean you sent it to a festival to check out, or they just saw it and hit you yeah, up? Yeah, we just, um, oh, we, we did do a Facebook um, boost of it, and some dude seen it and then booked us for a, um, like a folk festival. Awesome. Like a Roots Festival in um, Queensland. And they're That's paying you? pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah Will so it cost you anything to get over there? We're making our money back. We'll probably yeah, make. Cool. So we can ask we'll probably for. make 500 bucks after flights. Yeah. So we'll probably spend 500 on taxis and fucking around. So yeah. we're still Mad. covering our cost, you know. Are you going to try and book shows around it when you're over there? Um, we're trying to book one, but it's, I don't think it's going to float at the moment. But um, we're still working on it. So we didn't take, because we all work as well. So we had to find out what was going to be most beneficial for all of us working and time and stuff. So, yeah. But... Um, we haven't planned any touring as such, but we've got ideas, so we're yep. just get, getting everything together, yeah. Cool. The um the shows you do in Perth, do you guys book your own ones, or does someone do that for you? Yeah, I've I've run with a few managers, and nothing's really gone the way I like it, so yeah, still just doing it myself. Just email a venue, can we play? Yeah, because... From Aiden? I, I, ran, I ran solo for a few years, so I've built up rapport with a lot of the venues, and, that, and then the bands come along, so... Um, it wasn't just like cold calling. It was yep. kind of build a rapport, got in with the venues, and then, you know, gone from yep. there. Cool. A tip that we've used, or Cabba more than me, is, uh, yeah, cold calling venues, but having researched whatever local bands in the style are popular, yeah. and then making connections with them and saying, hey, we're looking to book a gig with band X, Y, and Z. Um, I mean, we've even done this in Bunbury, you know, like getting good local Bunbury bands and... It encourages the bar or whatever to put you on, and that helps. The, the other thing to consider as well, though, is if it's a festival, do they have any clauses that stop you from doing shows a week either side or some shit like no, that? This one doesn't. Okay, that's no, cool. No, Because your style of music's awesome where you could probably do it with minimal gear yeah. and minimal setup, so you could even do things like um, figure out a popular place in Brisbane, maybe a a local amphitheatre thing that's in the town where you could busk or open mic nights, also bars and stuff like that. Just do a Sunday sesh or some shit. Yep. And It um, also depends on how much gear we're going to take because obviously yep. the festival's providing backlines. So if we start booking other shows, then we have to take True. our own drums or get local supports, you know. Local supports, yeah. yeah. So. I've used Ash's kit before. <laughs> yeah. And vice yeah. versa, you use mine? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, it, it totally is. The, the other thing that's interesting is we'll be in Brisbane 
and we'll all be just hanging out and having a drink and someone goes, oh, I've got to take a phone call, interview with the local radio station. <laughs> and I'm like, how the fuck does... I still don't know how that works. If you've got a mailing list, right, you would have one for all the fans who've signed up to it or bought shit or things that you've illegally put on your list and then the other one for, like, all the press. So radios and webzines and stuff. And then when there's a new album out, just email all of them and say new album's out. We're looking for interviews and exposure and promotion and radio and shit. And it's amazing how many will actually reply and say we're looking for people to interview. Especially if you're playing a gig in their state. They want to know, yeah, what got you over there and what you're doing and and all that. So definitely worth worth doing. And even if it gets, you know, an extra two people to your gig or one extra album sale or whatever, definitely worth it. And if nothing else, it makes you look more credible when you share shit like that online. Like, we can... Anyone can do it. Oliver Udall could get an interview. He can get signed to a record label for his... Whatever he's just doing. And it makes him sound and look credible and more people will check you out, you know? Mm. So interviews are cool for that. Yeah. The end. <laughs> nah. Sweet. Um, yeah. I always like to tell the story of us play, booking a tour in America. Yeah, that's... A, Is it good? Because... By us, you mean you... <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, we've been trying to get booking agents and record labels and stuff for years and years and years and just not really having much luck. So we just try and do things ourselves. And um, so, yeah, two years ago we wanted to go to that um, 70,000 Tons of Metal Festival in America, which is like a cruise ship that goes for three nights, four nights, and they have, um, yeah, all the best metal bands around the world going. So we are keen on going anyway, right? So we, all the band members had booked tickets to this cruise, so we're like, we're all going to be in America anyway. Let's try and tee something up. So just start doing a bit of research online. Um, you know, what are the local metal bands in a few states? So we just picked like up in New York area, start there and see what happens and just see where they play and what they do. So you just find one small little shitty local band and just see what they're up to. And then you stumble across like metal nights, for example. So on a Wednesday night in New York, they would have some metal night at some crappy club. So you just email that club and say, we're coming from Australia, we're going to have all our equipment with us and are keen to play some gigs. I noticed you do a metal night on Wednesdays, could we play one time? And they go, yeah, sure, why not? We'll lock you in and we recommend these bands and whatever and you just tee up a show. Then you just see what other cities are like an hour or two away and if any of them have metal nights. And then you email them and say, we're playing in New York the night before, we'd be keen on coming to your city to play your metal night, would that be possible? And they go, yeah, we'll lock you in. And then you sort of go from there. And before you know it, you got like six shows, a headlining American tour. And then more places are booking you because you just look credible. You're sending like a, a poster with all these dates, confirmed dates to these venues. And they're going, yep, sure thing, sure thing. So we had like eight shows or something through Canada and shit that we'd teed up. And then this metal fest, the cruise festival we were going to, we'd been hassling this guy sort of once every month or two months saying, we're going to be there, can we play, can we play? With our gear. With that, we're going to be there with our gear. We've already booked rooms. You don't have to pay us, whatever. We're already there. And um, and then eventually we'd send him this this full tour poster we had of, like, all these headlining dates in America. And he, he rang us, like, two days before the festival and said, we've got you guys a gig if you want to play. So then that was on the poster as well. It just looked like a hell epic American tour. But it's just hustling, really. Yeah. So anyone can, can do it, really. You just gotta, just takes lots of time and patience and that. Um, but then, so for us now, we we play headline gigs in Perth because we've toured America before, but, you know, we didn't really, like not, we didn't get booked for an American tour, we just did it. Um, you know, but even on a smaller scale, you can do it over east, you know, if you haven't played out of Perth before, just see what's going on over in Melbourne, and if you've all got a weekend off, one weekend, 
why not just hit up a venue or see what other bands are around there that are similar and say, do you want to play a gig? And then email a venue. If you've got a website, you can link them there with a um, the press kit page and stuff. Say, this is our our stuff. We've got some fans over there. We're keen to play. And they'll go, okay, book you in. So all of a sudden, you've got a gig in Melbourne. And then you can do the same thing for Sydney and look for a venue there. Send them an email saying we're playing in Melbourne on Friday night. We'd love to get Sydney on the cards and your venue looks really cool. Lock it in. And you might only get 20 payers or it might be really shit, but still got to start somewhere. And then next time you go, you get a few more. And next time you get a few more and you start playing bigger venues and just goes from there, I guess. Um, and even in Perth, you know, like even if it, it doesn't have to be Amplifier Bar or Badlands or any good venues, you can just find a small little one like Boston or Rosemount or wherever and just book something, just email them and say we've got a CD coming out or we've got a website launch or any shitty idea you can think of as long as it's got a reason they'll be pretty keen to book you if they don't have anything else on see if you can find like a bigger name band that might be willing to headline and you can play second last, uh, sorry, yeah second last and they can be the draw card and you pay them whatever is fair and then a couple of openers and you've got a gig and if you do that regular enough you start building a name for yourselves and people will be keen to check you out don't want to play too often because people will get sick of you if you're not doing covers um, but yeah that's what I call hustle but some Any cool comments stuff on that shit happened are you still talking about America? No, I'm finished <laughs> I broke the seal again I need to do that yeah man it's Any the best Real good. I know. Well, <laughs> beers and coffee, getting up early. All um, yeah, a couple of crazy things happened. We played with this band in Canada with this, you know, young guy. He was 18 when we got there. And uh, he just happened to be a shredding guitarist and got um, employed as the lead guitarist for Vital Remains. Have you guys heard of them? Vital Remains, huge death metal band, classic death metal band. And now we know him and he's our mate and he's like, you know, if we go to Australia, we'll try and hook you up with shows. That probably won't happen because we're completely unsuitable. But, you know, you end up making these weird contacts you never would. Mm. Another guy we met there was this total metal freak. Lots of metal freaks in America and Canada. He's in that Anvil movie. (laughs) And he's like their main, like, mate. They're roadie. I've never seen the movie, but he was telling me all about it and he yeah. YouTubed it for me and showed me and it's like, okay, what the hell? So, you know, like <laughs> just randomly met this dude and mm. um, and also just by virtue of being on that 70,000 tonnes of metal cruise, there's like heaps of famous bands trapped on a boat with you for four days and you inevitably get chatting to them, someone you know, might know one of these guys, they've toured Australia before, you might have met him in Perth or been to the show and it's just a, a jumping off point and, yeah, you know, we didn't go cramming things down people's throats but just like, even when they come to town, they might look us up and have a drink with us or something and, you know, that starts starts things off and, yeah, I don't know, it's pretty cool, that kind of stuff and Cabba mentioned Silent Night before. Stu has booked themselves i think on one do you know anything about that one prog or power metal festival in europe and then they were hoping to book a tour around it not sure how it's gone what are you about to say oliver <laughs> I was, yeah i was because i because they're trying to go to hamburg and because uh, they want what they want to do is they want to go to the uh are you Varken. german well i not german i've been learning german i actually okay. lived in germany for a couple of months so uh. Uh, 
Yeah, so I was giving him a bit, a bit of advice on, uh, you know, like places to go, people to talk to, that sort of thing. and uh, Yeah, to book shows. Yeah, or like people who know people, I guess. And, yeah. Uh, it's like bars where the barman exe- who, who knows all the local promoters kind of thing. Oh, that's pretty cool. Mm. Well, then there you go. Yeah, that's a, a good in. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's a lot. Cabba had such a great experience doing it with America because they're receptive to that stuff, whereas in Europe it's a lot harder, and I'm sure we'll talk to Stu when he gets back from Europe about, you know, the difficulties he had trying to book a tour. He might end up adding some shows, but... You know, at very least, they've gone to Europe, they've played a show, they've had fun as a band and as a group of friends and added on to their highlights, you know, when you've got a press kit and you want to attract labels or radio and you say, this is all the things we've done. One festival in Europe looks pretty good and it's, you know, something off the bucket list, I guess. I'm going to Europe in two days, not for band stuff, but I'll try and go to clubs and just hang out Mm. and talk to people and whatever, not for promo or anything, but... Mm. That, that there's a real value in that. Like the Entrails US tour was purely from Jim and Ben going to Las Vegas Death Fest just for fun, and you know yeah. both being pretty big personalities, drunken Australians, met some dudes and like, oh, we're in a band, yeah, we're all in bands. Come back next year and tour this. Like that was purely from the social aspect of going to a gig and buying a dude a beer, yeah. and then a year later we're we're in a tour van with them. It it works. But people talk about net networking. And that's like the, the best example ever. Doesn't yeah. mean you need to punish people or no, just go up to them and annoy them at a gig or just never leave them alone. But but just actually t- travel to America and go yeah. to a massive festival and you know say we've come all this way and just checked out these bands and stuff and people take you a bit more seriously. Yeah, for keep sure. in touch with them. Just be, be like actual friends. Mm. Mm. You know, it'll pay off. Yeah. That America thing you did. How many gigs was that? Like twenty or thirty? Yeah, it was. It was. It was either twenty-one or twenty-two. Um, yeah, it, over like, yeah, three, three and a half weeks or something like that. You're travelling around in an RV? In an RV, yeah. It was it was awesome, man. It was like the best three and a half weeks of my life. It was sick, just yeah. hanging out with, with my dumb friends playing dumb music. <laughs> it was wicked. And, you know, some nights would be like playing to three drunken dickheads in like Salt Lake City <laughs> and then a week later it's 500 people in Vegas and then, again, you're in another shithole town in Arizona and no one gives a fuck. Yeah, it's wicked, <laughs> eh? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was unreal. It's amazing some of the, those gigs, like we, the ones we did in America, some, I think the smallest one was maybe like 14 payers. And um, yeah. maybe that's not a good example, but sometimes no, but when there's really... The most merch that yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like sometimes when you have sh- yeah. no one there, yeah. they just will spend $300 on your yeah. merch stand. You go, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Because well, it's just so much more intimate, I guess. That's for it. Well, that, that's actually what happened to us in Salt Lake City. Like it would it would have, by the time we played, there would have been well under 10, like probably five or six. But like most <laughs> people were rocking up earlier <laughs> and had somehow heard of us or seen the tour poster, bought all our bought plenty of merch and then we're like sorry we've got to go because i i work at 5am i drive trucks i'm here to buy your cd and shirt see ya so like we sold plenty of merch but then played to some drunken bikers that didn't give a shit it was it was really cool (laughs) fuck yeah (laughs) any interest overseas with you guys um nothing yet but we haven't haven't really sent anything out do you reckon you could do something like that? Just yeah, definitely. tee something up yourself? I definitely think you uh, can. We've just been here that with um, MD. He's like a dig and drum dance group from Northern Territory as well, and he wants to go to Europe. So, like, two bands touring together, two dig bands would just... Yeah, you got that Aussie theme that band people band? over there love. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's the most incredible thing. Yeah. We know this guy from America. I'm pointing at Oliver, one-man band. Uh, this, <laughs> this guy is Sean Lacan. He's... He, 
got a project called Putrid Pile. He's one guy with a guitar and an iPod. And, you know, he played to 8,000 people in Indonesia, then did a sort of a main support tour a couple of weeks ago with Black Dahlia Murder. And bands would just put him... Uh, bands, sorry. Promoters would just put him on a plane because it's just him. Yeah, it's true. And, yeah, yeah, send him in. They'll, they might put him up in a hotel with the tour manager so it doesn't cost him extra. Mm. He says, I only want my expenses covered and that's it. Yeah. And then he sells a buttload of merch and... No, it's pretty amazing when you can do stuff like that yeah. as opposed to lugging around a whole band's worth of shit, which is, I guess, tough if you've got specific instruments. But a ditch, yeah. you know. Yeah, the thing is he plays three digits, three keys. Oh, uh, yeah. And then the drummer's quite picky about his drums too because he's, <sighs> he's a prog rock drummer as well. So he's got... And then I've got two guitars, so there's quite a big production for yeah, us. But okay. But it's, yeah, it's interesting that you get offered a gig off just promo... Mm. as opposed to reaching out to someone and they're actually paying you money. Like, the, it's such a different scene to what yeah. we do, but yeah. it's, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, for The sure. only thing that's similar is, like, drummers being anal about this yeah. stuff. <laughs> I used to be, but I did one tour and went, I, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. Rock up in New Zealand and there's a kick, snare, floor tom <laughs> that goes like this every time you hit it, and then hi-hats and a crash. No ride, yeah, n- nothing. And you're like, get over it really fast and then learn that um, making connections, find a band with like a pretty cool kit and be their best friend (laughs) and hook up with them and use their backline or hire. And even, man, with that many sales, you could get endorsements hooked up. Yeah, for sure. And they'll at least offer you, they might cover your hire or maybe give you a 50% hire rate for like Pearl or, Pearl's a good one in Australia through Music Link, I think it is. If you just get chummy with your local music retailer, their distribution guy hears about you, thinks you're good, and you say, I'm going to Queensland, they might go, here's a Pearl endorsement, Mm. 50% off new sales, free hire if you go to the town. I played on a pink sparkle kit (laughs) all the way with um, an American band and a Tasmanian tech death band. All the way from Brisbane down to Adelaide, we chucked it in a car. Every night, Pink Sparkle, every drummer on the bill had to play it. And I was like, and I said to the guy, Dave, he's from this band Psychoptic, said, what's with the Pink Sparkle kit, man? And he goes, well, you know, it's free. (laughs) So like, okay, that's all they had. But it was a Yamaha Maple Customers. It was awesome. And it was exactly to his spec, so... Was it actually pink? It was pink sparkle. (laughs) If my phone wasn't in flight mode, I'd show you right now. Pink sparkle, as glittery as you can imagine. Death metal. Sounds delightful. It was really nice kit to play too. Like, yeah. It's funny though, the gigs are the same. Like we played a gig at the Kareen and we saw there was only probably 10, 20 people there. Yeah. But there was a queue for people lining up for T-shirts and CDs afterwards. So it's so different genres, but it's we've had the same gigs. Yeah. We've played to 400 people at Settlers Tav. Yeah, yeah. Not sold one CD. <laughs> so like... Yeah. It's yeah, you've got that different genres, but the same. Um, when did you play there last? Uh, oh, watched the footy there. It was a while week. ago. They're not running too much music anymore. They're running a lot of their blues. They're doing bigger gigs, gigs now. Yeah, like, the biggest stuff. They're just... running like Friday Saturdays. Yeah, okay. And we did a couple there, and yeah, we sold. Yeah, we had a line of people buying t shirts, and we played there again, and then we had the same crew come back, and we still only had probably twenty or thirty people there. Yeah, you see why they're not running. Yeah, every for weekend. sure, but. Yeah, I tried to play uh, Pink Floyd on stage there once. 
No. No good. I te- he gave me his guitar and I was just <laughs> spill wine all over myself or something. It was the worst experience ever. But yeah, it's a cool place. And man, I'd love to be able to break into little joints like that. But yeah, I guess if only six people turn up, they're just going to stick with who was there. Who's that guy? Seen better days. Who's he? Powderfinger. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, Pete Murray. Does Same he play shit. there recently? Play there. Yeah, yeah. There's been a few gigs since I've moved they in the area. Shows still, yeah. 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 How'd you get the Korean gig? The old booker from the indie bar moved there. Oh, oh yeah. So I've always wanted to play at the indie bar. Me same, too. Um, same kind of connection that she was really into her roots. So it was obviously same genre. So she mm. booked us along, loved us. So cool. Yes. Yeah. Settlers is a crazy place to play. Yeah. I played there and everyone was eating dinner and we were yeah. playing like alt rock. <laughs> was not good. So what what do they do when you're there? Like clear out all the tables? Or? Yeah. So we we always get a Friday or Saturday night, and we always bring a support act that's kind of still upbeat but not too in your face. Yeah. So we he plays the first set, and mm-hmm. kind of towards the end of his set, people have finished eating and they've cleared the tables away, and then he plays some upbeat stuff, gets people in the mood, and then we play, and then it just continues on. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to really play the crowd there. Like it's yeah, okay. We find that a lot down south, though too. Like, um, you know, you try to book a venue, and as soon as you mention that you're a metal band, they just assume that you're going to be having a satanic ritual or something. Like, (laughs) and it, it is like it is like a real challenge, and that's why I think we get sort of pushed back to the renter rooms and all that for gigs. And I don't know, it's obviously Perth here. You know, there's like venues that support metal and that. A lot more, but yeah, like down south, it is a challenge. Yeah. The Prince, yeah. um, Mitch is pretty, he's pretty happy with metal at the Prince, isn't yeah. he? Not, not our type of metal. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, there's a story behind We won't get into What's that story. story? But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I can tell you. But... <laughs> um, yeah, oh, well, basically, um, I put a show on there and um, yeah, let's say some bands and some rooms might have got wrecked. Oh, and, right. uh, uh... Well, some of the rooms at the Prince have no windows. It wasn't us, but yeah, needless to say, I got a phone call in the morning, had to go down there, calm him down and kick the bands out. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? It's pimp too, like, but I've heard too as well, like some other bands that aren't metal that have had, like, you know, like issues and that there as well. But I I think he, hopefully we're starting to come around a little Mm. bit more, I think Prince has a good relationship with like the kind of punk scene, especially Margaret yeah. River kind of stuff now. Punk but in stuff, terms yeah. of metal, they're like not really interested unless you've got a rapport, like really strong rapport or something like King Parrot. Mm. So oh, more punk. If you've got like a yeah. talking agent, you yeah. know, that'll sort of, um, you know, big management, I think it's a lot easier to sort of get a show there. But yeah, we'll, we'll keep working on it. I think one day we're just going to have to go down there and see him and, and have a chat and, and all that. Yeah. yeah, it's tough though. Do you guys know I grew up in Bunbury? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. I used to go down to the Prince when I was like 15 yeah. and look at Beaver Loop or um, Jebediah or something through the window, uh-huh. see girling, like tuning their synths and stuff. And then, yeah, I always thought that was the place to play, right? And then I played one gig there and it was cool. And then oddly, this is very bizarre, isn't slightly, it? Odd slightly odd way, Mitch was there back then. And bands started hitting me up directly because I sold it like, oh, I'm a guy from Bunbury who's made it in Perth. Full of shit. We couldn't pull anyone. And, um, yeah, Nana came down. It was a really great show. <laughs> and, um, no, I started getting phone calls and people 
were saying, hey, do you want to play at the Prince? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. Um, have you got a show booked? No, we were hoping you could book the show. I'm like, why? He goes, well, Mitch says, uh, Mitch, Mitch says, yeah. Ash can book a gig at the Prince anytime. <laughs> I'm like, what? Why? And I don't know what the hell that was. Never played at the Prince ever again, but that's a weird story. But, <laughs> but I think that that was like, because that was more rock with sort of metalcore sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, like, I hate to say it, but you're not doing a satanic ritual, but you rock up with full corpse paint on. They, they said, like, it was a really good night, like, and, and pays and all that. And, but and Dickhead spoiled it for but you. Unfortunately, yeah, it's okay. free entry, so, like, when they first started up, like, it was shoulder, standing shoulder, room only. Was yeah, really. It sort of phased out a bit, and then it came back good again. And then, um, yeah, I think after that, just old mate got pissed off. Because I got to tell him, I've got the perfect marketing campaign for it. Like the band's been lifted after four years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back, yeah. You know? <laughs> What's that other venue near? It's at the bottom of the Lord Forest, and you entered via the car park. Rats. No, oh, not, rat, not not no longer Elliot, there anymore. Across the road rat, in no, the car park. Oh, that. Yeah, there was um, the nightclub there, but that's all gone. So yeah, so there was like a place for just a bit that did local bands and they'd get Perth bands. Yeah. And then this particular Perth band <laughs> went down there. They would get hooked up with accommodation and threw a TV out the window. And it ruined it. They <laughs> yeah. stopped booking bands. And they'd had shows with like Socroptic and uh, Mindsnare maybe, like from Over East. Play, things went well, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, this dickhead throws first on stage, throws his PRS Custom 24 across the stage as a goof, like 12 people there. Cool cool stage move, dickwad. Mm. And then throws his telly out the window and just ruins it. So I think, you know... Because they did a pretty good like, deal at the Prince and we'd like, organise there. Was, he said, like... He's like seven, eight hundred bucks, like a free rider, free entry, like that's sweet. Split up between that's the wicked. bands and then have yeah. a good time. It was a bit. Start times were a bit sort of hit and miss because the footy was on. It was sort of like you can't play until the footy's finished. Yeah. But once Probably. that happened, like, um, <laughs> yeah, it was a good deal. But I hope we can try to get back. Like, I might go chat to him and yeah, poke him a bit more and. Yeah. Different it's venue. Like a public announcement to all the Perth bands, like yeah. don't come down to Bunbury and be rough because you think we're rough because we're not yeah, that rough. Yeah. <laughs> not like that at all. It but like, yeah. Was it a band or their friends? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I just heard yeah. Just, just find a scapegoat, yeah. throw them under the bus. <laughs> and just get back yeah. <laughs> throw Septillion under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, one of the funnest country venues I ever played in, it was back when I was in a cover band when I was 17 so had to like get permission to go there it was actually the Cornwall and Narragin because like country people do love like rock and, and yeah, metal yeah. I find but yeah so I mean that's something we've like talked about as well like why don't we just go real country with it to see how it goes go down to Albany or something and yeah you played in Albany? no you've been to a gig in tried Albany tried to get a gig in Albany and failed I have been to a gig in Albany Yes. <laughs> the, uh, I can't remember what it's called. The fo- uh, what? What star? Is that a thing? Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. I went. Uh, I can't remember who I saw. Some shit. Wasn't good. I uh, booked a gig. One in Esperance. Two hundred people. Yeah. Wow. Loved it. And then uh, yeah, we also on that run booked a show in Albany. Four payers. Yeah. It went like mm. utter shit. And I think it's similar where it's like it's hit and miss if you don't know where to promo. It's yeah. not the end of the world playing to six people. Seriously. No way. As long as you have some fun. of the most hilarious yeah. gigs are those. Like when we play in Bunbury and there's like 
there'll always be like one freak who yeah. you've never seen before and he'll be like dancing across the front. Yeah. Same as in Perth as well. The Hyde Park once we had a dude <laughs> running up and down. Yeah. That old lady Very. that came to the highway that night. Highway. We failed to sect me. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. It's <laughs> so like there's that yeah. one guy who's always trying to mosh, but trying to get everyone else into it, and they're not oh. quite interested. And <laughs> tips on tips. Yeah, tips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that guy's everywhere in the world. Like you could, you could go to a gig in Auckland or New York, and you'll see that same fucking dude. Hey, he'll ne- be in next a s- to Nina. Yeah, next to Nina, he'll be in a Slayer shirt and wearing steel caps, and he'll just be a drunken fuckwit, and he's a legend. Yeah. He, he really is. Like I saw, I I didn't even know he was going to the Perth Megadeth gig and he, he just appeared in the middle of the wall of death going yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like doing the full Viking thing yeah. waiting for people to run into him he's yeah. such a legend yelling Slayer during a Megadeth gig <laughs> oh, there's, yeah there's yeah. the definitely anywhere in the world you go to a metal gig there's an equivalent person yeah. to someone in Perth totally there'll be I, the Tibbs of Germany yeah there. it's <laughs> nice like I uh, saw Death the Oliver in Vegas. Of Melbourne. Death. I think I was the Tibbs of uh, Germany <laughs> when I went there <laughs> you'd suited Tibbs yeah I saw Death Heaven in Vegas and not the sort of music that you go rah and headbang to. You sort of just watch. And there's this dude in an anthrax shirt with, like, his hoodie tied around his waist and just, like, long camo pants, like, wrong sort of gig. And he's just trying to get everyone to mosh to death heaven. It's like, nah, man, you stare at your shoes and feel sad. You don't, you don't, you don't mosh in an anthrax shirt to death heaven. It was like this year, uh, Catatonia this year, that was Good people trying to start a mosh pit and stuff. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> Everyone else is like crying. <laughs> like you have to be introspective and talk about your inner soul. <laughs> yeah, metal gigs are definitely weird. You ever been to many metal gigs? Uh, nah, not, not too many. Oh, you should sorry. play one. Yeah, uh, when I started playing music, I was playing like new wave stuff, like it was a long time ago. Um, and then we got all probably acoustic. started yeah. at the same place. So, um, my brother loves it. My brother's into like full metal, so I, I know the I know the sounds and yeah. But I can't say I've been to too many shows. Yeah, yeah. it's a hit and miss, I guess. Same as everything. <laughs> yeah. They often miss and miss. <laughs> occasional hit. I used yeah. to do a bit of recording and recorded a few metal kind of bands, like drum replacing the whole lot. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of get what it's about, and I don't get the screaming as much. People always say that. It's like they can't handle the screaming. Yeah. Mm. And I don't even know what to say to that. Well, you just mm. can't imagine a different type of vocal to match the feel mm. of the music, I guess. Like you can't just can't have nice singing. Well, we... Like Cannibal Corpse guitaring. I don't know if you've heard our band, but we, the young lady in yoga pants who dropped Cabra and I off, <laughs> is our keyboard slash clean vocalist, and that's like... A bit out of place, because considering our bass player, who's now in another country, what are you up to the next few months, Josh? <laughs> um, he's like the most ruthless death metal person I've probably ever met in my life. Yeah, and then yeah. he's like best friends with Jesse, who likes Tori Amos and shit. It's really <laughs> weird. But yeah, so that's the cool thing about metal, though, like having no limits like that, where you can have someone like a female in yoga pants singing over top of like disgusting gym. Doing my like fucking vocals at the same time, singing the same lyrics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Creativity options are endless, really. I think. I wonder why we only pull six people. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think, well, like with like most people, though, just with like um, the vocals, as you say, with the thing is, 
most people, the first thing they're going to identify with is vocals because yeah. we all speak, we can all talk, you know. Mm. Um, so when, like, people can't understand what someone's saying, they don't really, like, know how to grasp onto it. That's probably mm. what it is, if anything. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God Dethroned, right? Their whole album is about war. I think war is the worst thing ever, and I would not want to hear what he's talking about. I'm sure it's just like telling the story of war or something, but if I don't think about it too much, I'm also not into The Hobbit, and a lot of metal bands sing about The Hobbit. I am a Hobbit. (laughs) (laughs) Page on Facebook called Tolkien Black Metal. (laughs) It's just black metal themed around The Lord of the Rings and Hobbits. That's what summoning is. We just listen to a whole one of them, and all he's doing is screeching. Whereas when I went to see The Hobbit, and the guy like props a knee up on pulls from the pipe, and starts singing, you know? know. It's like start singing pseudo-Irish folk songs and... uh... Yeah, Celtic, Nordic, something. Do you have any homework for these arseholes? (laughs) (laughs) I do. No. Oh, yeah, man. Not recording-based ones generally, though. All right. uh, Septillion, get a song on Full Metal Racket. And get rid of um, Disbank's... Oh, uh, that's up to you. I'll leave that to you. But you probably. Distro Kid. It's new we'll and it's cheap. Email all you guys yeah, we'll any stuff. relevant stuff that you've yeah, asked for or whatever. Awesome. Yep. Unless you've been diligent and written notes, which is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the homework for you, Aiden, is to get an interview on uh, Queensland Radio prior to your mm. festival appearance. Yep. Right. Get that shit happening. Yep. Let us know about it and link us to it when, when yeah, it happens. Yeah, cool. The money you save on a uh, disbank, you can spend on a website. If you can be fucked, I recommend it. Uh, you're going to set up a recording station, right? Yeah. 200 bucks yeah. worth of stuff, max. Yeah, max 200 bucks. Like He's going to send you budget. a uh, list of step-by-step. Step. Oh, excellent. Like, <laughs> yeah. Bargains with Ash. Recommend Actually, are you interested in buying a head and cap? No. <laughs> I'm selling some stuff at the moment. Oh. Well, the ga- gas station's <laughs> good oh, for... I um, wish, man. I never used it. I should. Totally. Yeah, it's, good, it's good for those. You'll pick up like a Scarlet for like 100 bucks or something. There you oh, go. Yeah, man. I saw, I saw like a full studio quality mixing desk for 300 bucks. <laughs> I love I, that you use that word studio quality. Like that is such yeah. a catchword, isn't yeah. it? Like, <laughs> yeah. I know, this has all the analog warmth you're going to need yeah. right here in this USB powered box. <laughs> 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 but I'll hook you up. I, I guess That's it's sort of like home. there's like uh, the busker ready, you know, the busker mixing desk, you know, the sort of thing. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, like the sort of thing that only has so like two like or three channels. That, and, but tiny. Or even smaller than yeah, that. Yeah, tiny like, version of that. Yeah. yeah Don't like, buy that, Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> Scarlet will do. Or, or something like that. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. Yeah. You're going to come over one day in the next month mm-hmm. with a hundred bucks. All we're right. going to get trashed and we're going to create a <laughs> web store for Grotesque Fuck and yeah, a website. Wicked. Sick, man. All right. right, done. Cool. Recording stuff, no? No. No, no, no. It's more like I've got homework um, for the things that were mentioned. If your you homework is go to Europe tomorrow, don't come back <laughs> yeah, for four correct. weeks. That will be good. What am I going to do? I am recording in Europe, by the way. Oh, you are? Yeah. yeah. Tell us about it. Uh, I knew I'd be in Germany because it's the cheapest flight into Europe at the moment, or at least when I booked. I have a girlfriend that likes to write music, so I thought, why do the tourist thing? Let's just book a studio. Wow. Can you write four songs before we go to Europe? Record some drums and piano in Germany, so that will be interesting. Try and do something with it when we get back. Probably do a podcast out of it and go to a gig with four people at it. (laughs) Are you going to get to a gig, do you reckon? Uh, I'll, no, because it's festival season. All, a lot of the European bands are like reserving themselves for that. 
But I figure there should be a lot of club shows for bands more like on our level. Mm. So maybe I might be able to check out and hang out with some crew. I don't know. Mm. Anyone got any bands that are cool <laughs> that won't be playing uh, Wacken or whatever this year? Let me know. Just get on metaltravelguide.com. <sighs> Already done. Your one-stop shop when you're outside of Australia. Yeah. So I got a couple of Facebook groups I can recommend. <laughs> you're speaking to the wrong person. <laughs> no Facebook. <laughs> Don't do it. But if you can give me a website, possibly a Banzoogle, I'll be right on it. Well, I mean, if you, there's some great bars in Berlin if you're going there. I'm going there for one night. So I will be there for at least one night. It's like you should go to the, uh, the Big Lebowski bar. Oh, really? That does sound good. <laughs> yeah, they've got quite a few metal bars as well. they got the, uh, yeah, you know, they got a Judas Priest bar. It's the, uh, so the, the barman bar. is, the barman looks exactly like Rob Halford. It's fantastic. Is it him? It's not him. <laughs> it's like a professional impersonator of Rob Halford. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. Yeah, hook me up. Yeah, it's uh, Halford's Rock Bar. Halford's Rock Isn't Bar. Isn't there a Man of War bar in Berlin? Or am I dreaming that? Because that's a Man of War. There's probably one in each no, city in Europe. There is, yeah. a, there is a Viking bar. I'm not sure oh, if that's fuck the Fuck Viking. No, if Man of War bar. bar. I'm really sorry, but Judas Priest gets the can. Yeah, of course, man. Oh, come on. Judas Priest is out of the window. Pankiller. Fuck Rob Halford when you got Shit. Joey DeMaio in there. Yeah, man of War. <laughs> that is a proud band. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else? Are you guys going to that gig tonight while you're in Perth? After this? Man, I can't believe you guys trekked here you to hang out. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. I've noticed you haven't been drinking. Uh, All right. Take a roadie. Oh, did you drive up separately? Oh, yeah. I live in Perth. Yeah. Oh, you moved, eh? Are you still playing in Wrath of Fenrir? Uh, yes, technically, yes. But there's... There's things going on behind the scenes, like lineup shuffles and, and songwriting and stuff no, that they want to do. So there's probably uh, quite a while till they get back to the stage. Yeah. All right. Cool. Is there anything else we can, like, to make your trip from Bunbury worthwhile? Anything we can talk about? <laughs> Should we drop these mics and just have a beer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sounds good. <laughs> cool. Thanks, guys. No, coming. thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we say cheese guns. Been good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Been really uh, good. Cheese guns.